0: Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. Good evening, brothers and sisters of the leaf. Could you live once again from, well, all over the fucking place. It's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Tonight the boys congregate to discuss the 2002 creature feature, Killer Bees, starring none other than C. Thomas Howell, while reviewing the Murder Hornet Cigar from Room 101, paired with a vast variety of tasty craft beers. I wonder if C. Thomas Howell is any relation to yours truly, Keith A. Howell. If you're listening to this, Pony Boy, give me a call and maybe we can grab a hot dog and a couple dozen beers together. What, you're too good to eat a hot dog and get stupid blackout drunk behind a 7-Eleven with your long-lost second cousin, Keith? Well, then just forget it, you pretentious weasel. I'm not the one that made Soul Man. Anywho... It sounds like we're in store for one hell of a good time, folks. So sit back, light them up, and enjoy the show. All right, boys. Let me take a
1: little sip of my podcast serum.
2: All right.
1: Oh man, it's my first beer drinking night of July. Twenty-one days I've gone without beer. Man, I, I'll give you just. Woo. Well, I mean. Don't carry me on your shoulders. Yeah, I've been drinking a shitload of bourbon and wine and margaritas. Okay. (laughs) I just just replaced beer with other stuff. Um, And now we're... After the debacle of last episode, we're we're back to beer tonight. I'm sorry I tried something new. Uh, It'll never happen again.
3: I fear change. I fear change.
1: Uh, Well, that brings me to my opening thought here, Tut. To be... Or not to be? That is the question. Tut, you're a smarty pants now. If I'm holding a B <clears throat> in my hand, then what's in my eye?
2: Um, holder? Beauty, Tut.
4: Beauty, oh, that's right. Damn, got Beauty the
1: Beauty is in the eye of the beholder.
4: Uh, Here, I thought we were going to delve into some Hamlet.
1: <laughs> and I, for I, for one, think we're going to have a beautiful show tonight. Oh, I really do. Oh boy. Despite some weird technical problems that cropped up last episode, which I think are long behind us, took a big dump on all of our good times. I believe tonight's going to be different. And I'm fucking excited. How about y'all? Depends on
2: how many of these bee jokes are going to happen.
1: In case you're like Tut and wondering at home, no, the next three hours are not going to be filled with a bunch Ah. of terrible bee puns. It's going to be filled with laughs, great conversation, maybe a sprinkle of knowledge, and hopefully some words of encouragement for you lost souls out there who look to drunken idiots like us for inspiration. All right. Just remember out there, and I mean this, no matter what, Always be yourself. Do your own sting. Thing. Do, do your own thing. All right, now I'm done with the bad
3: bee puns. Oh, well, nuts. I'm a buzz.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday Night <laughs> Cigar Club, 30. episode 142. We are getting drunk tonight, right? Or at least, like Yak said, buzzed. Oh. Uh-huh. Yes, oh. folks. It's finally here. You've been asking for it for years. Our big B episode.
2: We're doing a B movie tonight. Don't we do B movies a
4: lot of nights?
2: B-E-E.
4: Oh. oh. Hey. hey. All right, Todd. Yeah.
1: That's where the to be or not to be came in. I was wondering if we should do a B movie. Uh, And then Yax recently confessed to me that's Almost a decade ago, he actually slept with B. Arthur, and it all just kind of came together. I'm like, we got to do
4: this. Respect, Yax. respect. And he told I, me uh, that. He told me that
1: in confidence.
4: Well, clearly you violated it. And now the interwebs knows.
2: Are we recording?
4: Oh yeah, I. Yes.
1: Did she taste like honey?
3: God. <laughs>
1: Anyway, oh, almost, I, oh, I, almost,
3: I, almost, I
1: almost threw up in my own
3: mouth. <laughs> as uh, you
4: should, as you should. Like the,
1: like the song, Just Like Honey. Uh-huh. Who sings that, Doctor?
4: The Jesus and Mary chain. Jesus and Mary chain. Uh, they did not write it about the Arthur, I believe. I'll be praying to Jesus. Oh no, I'm uh, heading to the refrigerator right now. Uh
1: dude, I this is a new record. We're not 2 minutes in everybody's leaving. <laughs> Yax, it's just you and me, buddy. Uh Do you want to while well, we wait for Todd and and uh, the doctor to go barf? Uh do you want to tell your B Arthur story? No, I
4: know. I'm back and there is no B Arthur
3: story. Oh. Okay. Uh
1: well Tut forgot his lighter, which is kind of crucial to what we do here at the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. We light cigars on fire and stick them in our mouths. Uh, so i am just asking you, how are you guys doing? Uh, it's been a week since our last episode. We did uh, the Bob Odenkirk action film, Nobody. That's a sentence I never thought I'd say, a Bob Odenkirk action film, but I thought we had fun with it. Uh, we did have a little technical glitch on that show where <laughs> I always tell people, when they ask what we do on the show as far as the film's concerned, I'm like, well, you know we're a little bit different i i We take you through the whole story like an old timey radio play scene by scene, and kind of tell you the whole story like you like in the old days Last week's episode, it actually sounds like you're listening to an old timey radio <laughs>
2: uh, There was a lot of buzz going on there's, there was
1: quite a bit of buzz, uh, a little bit of sang, but you know what that just added to the uh ambiance that uh you know that that'll be a show for the true diehards. But there was some good stuff in there, if you are patient with it. But we're back in full stereo. Yeah,
2: fucked song. up my Doc Brown impersonation. That was- it
1: fucked up a lot, Tom. Oh, we, we had a lot of good stuff going last. But you know what? Like I said, you can still watch it. Hey, your favorite band, sometimes you listen to a bootleg of their concert. It's not the best quality, but it's your favorite band and you you still, <laughs> get, you still get the the zeitgeist of the moment in that staticky recording. And So that's why I went ahead and put that show out there. Oh, and I'm too much of a lazy ass to re-record it. I'm gonna talk about that that movie for another three hours. Uh, so I was like, you know what? Let's just get back together and talk about a brand new movie. Drink some brand new beers. Smoke a whole nother cigar. Because oh, that's another great thing about last week's show. Uh, Tut got this incredibly powerful stout beer that we had the most nuanced, <laughs> complex cigar, and he just co- He just basically coated his mouth with gasoline and oh. couldn't, ta- couldn't taste any of it. So Fear we did, ruined we,
2: everything.
1: We, we did not let him participate in the grading of... Uh, we ended up giving that cigar a 92 cut. <laughs> it was really good. Asterix. Uh, no asterix. Uh,
2: the hardcore fans are going to know that they're going to put an asterisk behind that one.
1: Well, that's right. Well, what do we do here every week, folks? Just to re- recap, we, uh, we talk our way through a feature film, whether it be current or from decades past sometimes one we've seen a million times, other ones that are brand new to all of us. Uh, we pair that film carefully with a premium cigar. And then we used to ideally pair those two with a uh, craft beer. Um, and then ever since uh, 2020 hit, and we've all had to go our separate ways and kind of get our own beers. Some of us take that mission a little more seriously than others. Todd, I'm looking at you. Uh I saw your beer for tonight.
2: And uh, I've got a tie-in, too. All right, we'll see.
1: You can prove me wrong. Uh, but anyway, we tried to make all three things work together, the film, the cigar, and the beer. So I'm going to go ahead real quick and introduce tonight's cigar and get things started. It is the Murder Hornet by Room 101. If you remember, in 2020, things were bad enough. Murder Hornet started showing up in the United States.
2: I was about to say, that was that's not timely at all.
1: This brand-new species of of hornets showed up that apparently could kill a man. Uh, It is a a 5.5 by 44 Corona. It's a very light cigar in your hand. Yeah, it is. Uh, It is a Honduran Puro. Strictly Honduran. Good. I will save the price point for later. Remember the clown cigar we did two episodes ago? Right, yes. Uh, yes. The the Ron. Mm Mm-hmm. We feature that on episode 140, I believe. And the Murder Hornet is also, like that cigar, an exclusive release to limited cigar association retailers, the LSA. Okay. They put out a limited number of cigars by different manufacturers and only send it to LCA retailers around the country. I was lucky enough to snag a few of these from my, one of my favorite retailers in the country, Stogie's World Class Cigars in Houston, Texas. All right. Jorge and Jenny Lee from Stogie's were on Yakbo and I's trip to Cigar Safari uh, last year in Nicaragua. We fast became friends. They're awesome people. I had been to their shop before, but now uh, I try to buy as much as I can online from them as well. Uh, their shop is really next level. Their lounge is crazy next level. Impressive. So go check out Stogie's World Class Cigars in Houston, Texas for sure. Uh, Here's what LCA director Clark Thornton had to say about tonight's cigar. That's a fancy name, right?
2: I like that name, Thornton. Clark Thornton.
1: Room 101 cigars. That's just how I picture a guy named Clark Thornton talking. (laughs) Uh, Room 101 cigars were largely Honduran cigars all throughout the early 2010s. That's true. All of Matt Boo's early stuff was Honduran in nature, but this is the first new line from Room 101 in many years that is made in Honduras. Murder Hornet is very reminiscent of Matt Booth cigars from that time period, and for, long time, and for a long time, fans of the brand—excuse <clears throat> me—for long-time fans of the brand, this certainly does feel like old-school Room 101. That spoke to me. I'm a huge fan of old-school Room 101. We are excited and proud to be able to offer this special cigar exclusively to LCA shops. A little backstory, we've had Room 101's Matt Booth on the show before, I believe last year, in the midst of the pandemic, he joined us. Uh, he's one of the best interviewees in the industry. Personally, I think it was at least top two interviews we ever did. To,
2: oh, my goodness. That dude was so hilarious. It was great. He brought out a jewel-encrusted dildo out of a a lunchbox. <laughs> how do you not respect that and rank it top three? I mean, just that one deal. Forget the fact that he's a great personality and just an all awesome, cool guy. But the moment he said that little, here's the jewel encrusted dildo. It's like, oh, you're top three. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. Uh, he's just a he's just a great guy to to talk to. But seeing as how he just did hundreds of interviews last week at the Big Vegas trade show, everybody was talking to this guy. Yeah. I thought, even though he said he's, willing, he's more than happy to come back on the show, I thought I would give him a break and uh, we'll get him next time around. I'd love to have him back, but all those manufacturers just have to be hoarse from peddling their, their wares and talking up their products in Vegas last week. So
2: I'm the I surprised they're not somewhere in the Alps just hiding out.
1: Exactly. So I, I gave him a pass. And that's all I'm going to tell you about the cigar. Uh, okay. I got to tell you, the old school Room 101, the HN series, which I believe is Honduran, I got a box. An original box in the humidor and i'll take one out every few months they're so good and the idea of going back to honduras and this blend and it's got me excited it is a very earthy and sweet smelling wrapper
2: I've got a nice little barnyard kicking right through there on the nostrils. I do want to do uh, a quick PSA, though. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, when you are watching your cigar heroes on your favorite video cast, and you see your cigar heroes putting their cigar up to their nose and sniffing all the wonderful smells and aroma that cigar happens, that is done in the comfort of our own presence, our own homes, and, uh, you know, maybe in front of each other if we're hiding it or if we're not hiding it please do not do this in your lounge. Do not go to the humidor or some cigar shop and start putting cigars up to your nose. That's not cool. And definitely don't say that you learned it from us when you were there. Did, did you get in trouble for this time? No, I was just talking with a, a, a guy who owns this, on this deal. And he goes, you do not know how, because he was talking about, you know, people who come in there and like put their nose all up on this cigar. And he was like, and this was happening like, you know, right when COVID was coming out too. And I was like, is that really a problem? People are doing that? And he goes, every freaking week, somebody comes in there and does that. And I'm like, wow. So I just thought I'd help him out, and give him a little PSA.
1: It is earthy and sweet on the wrapper. And when you smell the food directly, uh, Ted is correct. There's a strong barnyard essence, or as we call it here in Texas, rodeo stuff. <laughs> rodeo stuff, good. I'm smelling rodeo stuff. Um, all right. Well, as we uh, clip the... Did you get anything, have you clipped it yet? Do you get anything on the cold draw?
2: No, nah, just grass.
1: It is kind of grassy. There's a little bit of that rodeo stuff.
4: Isn't that kind of like the equivalent of uh, being in a beer store and cracking one open and taking a sip first? Like, you really you really should have paid for it. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, I'll, I'll pick it up and look at it. I, I don't think I've ever shoved it up my nose. <laughs> Um, all right well you know what because i've already called into question tut's beer choice tonight as being lazy and just picking what he wanted to drink personally with no regards to the show or the pairing i'm anxious to hear him prove me wrong yak boy our resident beer expert and owner and head bartender at o'brien's irish pub in downtown historic temple texas as you do expertly every week Introduce our beers, starting with Tut.
3: Very well. And make it's
1: him, coming. make him. Can you make him stop? Can you make him Austin. stop dancing like that?
3: Dolly, I, I, can't, Dolly, I can only do so Dolly, much. My hands are full Dolly, of and cigars on Dolly, this Dolly. side. What am I supposed Austin. to
1: do? I, I, Tut, I can't. I can't hear Yax. you, You got to calm down, man. Okay. All right. You take your medicine today.
3: Uh. Yes. Okay. <laughs> coming from the wonderful Adelberts Brewer. Brewing out of Austin. Dale. Dale. What? Dale. Dale. It looks like Dale.
2: It it is, but it's pronounced Dale.
3: Dale. All right. From wonderful Adelbert's Brewing, Dale. It's a Mexican-style lager, 4.4%, 20 IBUs. Descriptions... Mexican style lager. <laughs> that is correct. I looked for others, and that is all I found.
4: I did
2: find one description on uh, Untapped, but I did not send that your way because it was smells like stinky feet. That would. Be
1: why? Why lager. was this beer made, Yaks, with the weird name of Dale?
3: Because they're people who like weird names from the brewery i guess that
2: is wrong dolly i I thought it had
1: something to do with the soccer team that tut follows
3: and you are correct sir
2: dolly is latin or in many latin countries is translated into go for it it is one of the sayings of austin fc dolly dolly austin fc they are playing a game tonight. It is fortunately untelevised, so I can't watch it, and you get my full attention. We're honored.
1: Uh, so, you, so it's your favorite soccer team. A local brewery made a beer for it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's a Mexican lager. Yep. Called Dale, which means go for it. Yep. I guess you're going to tie this in that there was a Mexican guy driving the B truck in tonight's movie.
2: There you go.
3: Um, I'm going to go that's tenuous at best. We don't know that he was Mexican. Come
2: on. You're going to see. You're going
1: to see. The the, the truck had Mexican plates.
2: You're going to see C. Thomas Howell, you know, go for it all night. So let's go.
1: Actually, he doesn't go for it. That's one of my biggest problems with it. Uh, now I'm just
3: going to call him B Thomas Hal. Okay. <laughs> I like that
1: one. That's his brother.
3: Oh, sorry. Uh,
1: ah. all right. I'm still going to just go with Tut wanted to drink this beer and got all excited about it. Uh, just <laughs> is, is it good, Tut?
2: it is a very traditional mexican style lager uh definitely has more taste uh rather than your dosakis i would put it it's not as sweet or as um like a uh pacifico but it's not and it's not as heavy as Bohemia. but i would put it between those two beers okay it is crisp and refreshing
1: speaking of crisp and refreshing first impressions of this cigar uh a real mild pepper spice through the nose and a really light and refreshing kind of breadiness and earth on the on the draw it's it's uh it's a it's a very mild smooth smoke so far
2: yeah you're nailing it uh that is good yeah there there is a little bit of spice on that palate as well uh it's keeping me entertained okay um Keep, keep
1: thinking on it. We'll move on to the doctor. See what this son of a bitch is drinking.
3: The good doctor, of course, came to blow all of our socks off. He's drinking Pantera golden ale.
1: He's plugging in into his amps and going full throttle. Far beyond driven doctor. The uh, cowboy from hell
4: himself. cowboy from hell, baby. And Pantera uh, golden made by- gates. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pantera Golden Ale is made by the Texas Ale Project, located there in wonderful Dallas, Texas. My local They're beer, wonderful ales since 2014. Uh, the Golden Ale is 5.4 percent, uh, only 16 IBUs. It is a Golden Ale. Uh, this one actually came about as a collaboration with uh, the band Pantera uh and it just started uh and was just released here this year in march
1: okay i guess there's only two members of pantera still alive so
4: yes
1: um the other two died of alcoholism so uh
4: (laughs) uh, we lost paul a few years ago uh
1: no no that's not true at all that actually it was a very sad story uh Dimebag, the guitarist, was shot on stage uh, at a concert. And then uh, his brother, the drummer, Vinnie Paul, uh, died, what, just two, two, three years ago, maybe? Yeah. But they were legendary. uh, Not only were they extremely talented musicians, they were legendary party animals, especially up in the Dallas area, strip clubs. Uh, I think uh, Vinnie or Dimebag had a swimming pool that was shaped like the Crown Royal bottle that was kind of famous for after hours parties Vinny uh
4: Vinny but- uh apparently there was a legendary party 20 years ago in 1999 when the Dallas Stars hockey team won the Stanley Cup uh uh they that uh Vinny was a big Stars fan and was frequently seen at the hockey games and uh, apparently that uh after they won the 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 Stanley Cup that one of the players on the, the somebody was just recounting this on the radio, but I had heard about it a long time ago that one of the players like called him up and called up Vinny and was like, Okay, get get your house ready for a party and apparently he went and got like twenty cases of Crown Royal and hired every stripper in town and they had like a huge blowout uh while they were all drinking whiskey out of the Stanley his yeah. house.
1: Oh man. I asked, I got a contractor out here at the house a couple of years ago. I wanted to build a pool shaped like a can of steel reserve malt liquor. And, uh, the costs were just astronomical, uh, in that it would have cost me my marriage. And I, I didn't want to do that. So I, I scrapped that.
2: I scrapped
4: sounds that sounds about right. Uh, is it, doctor, is it good? Uh, it's very good. So I was almost going to get the, uh, Oh, is it made by that company that makes Revolver? They've got the... They've oh, got the honey?
1: The Guns and Honey or whatever?
4: They've got the honey beer, but I, I could have sworn in the ether banks of my Tuesday night at Cigar Club Memory, which we've proven is not reliable, that I had it before.
1: I've had it. I hate it. I hate yeah. that, that blood I, and honey cigar.
4: It wasn't Earth. blood and honey. It was... I think it was made by the same company. It actually has a bee on the can it's called like the honey lager or something like that. And I could have sworn I'd had it and also sworn I didn't like it. Okay. So it's a loose approximation at best, but since it has the word golden in it, golden ale, golden honey, but you know what? That's a stretch. Honestly, I saw the B one. I was like, I don't want to try that. I think I've had it. I looked around, I couldn't find anything. And uh, so I kind of, that's the best I can do. I kind of bail down up, but I thought I thought the fact that it was actually a, a Pantera beer sort of kind of trumped anything else.
3: Uh, yeah, uh, it's fucking Pantera. It goes
4: with everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, I get a few things my way.
1: Yeah, no, no, you you definitely you've got a, a better pairing grade than Tut so far.
4: Wouldn't you say that there are people in tonight's film that are going to find their way to the cemetery gates?
1: Yes, yes, I would. I
4: don't
1: oh, mean. Uh. Okay. Well, Yak Boy, my first beard, I I picked out two. I couldn't decide. I I try so hard to to come up with interesting pairings. If I find more than one, I I just got to do them both.
3: My first beard tonight
1: caught my eye because it has this wasp-like winged, stinging creature on the bottle.
3: That's the Balrog from Lord of the Rings. (laughs) No. No, no. It's supposed to be the Jabberwocky.
1: It's a Jabberwocky. What is a Jabberwocky, uh, Yakboy?
3: It is an unknown creature from the story. <laughs> it's a Jabberwocky. But no, I, it. right. I am more concerned because as I looked at the stats on this, it is an Imperial IPA uh, from Lone Pint Brewing, located in Magnolia, Texas. Been producing fine beer since 2012. Uh, the Jabberwocky is 8.5%, and by their description, by their rating, 114 IBUs. Mm,
1: I smell notes of bullshit.
3: <laughs> but
1: not, not in it. Uh, let, me, let me temper that with this. When I first poured this, it has a wonderful color. Um, it's got a really nice papaya kind of, uh, really rich fruit smell on it. The the taste is great. I really enjoying the beer. Most imperials I've had, Yaks, have been well over 11%. Yeah. Eight eight and a half seems weird for an, uh, an an imperial IPA. Well,
3: that well, you know, I looked further into this as they were because I was like, why is it you know 114? Because basically, you know, they made the scale for like one to a hundred. What made you so great that, you know what, let's just throw that last out and go 114. Yeah. seems pretty arbitrary, but they do say uh in their description of the brewing process that uh it's hopped so heavily that the hot mash at the bottom of the ferment of the is over a foot deep.
1: Oh man, they're really shoveling that shit out there. Um I, I would put it 80s, which is still really up there. I mean, it's got a really tingly uh, hot hot bite on the back end, but it's just got that really nice, really nice, smooth, uh, creamy front end, and then the, the hot bite on the back. It's very good. The reason I picked the Jabberwocky, uh, what's the name of the brewery
3: again yet? Uh, Lone Pine.
1: They do a Yellow Rose IPA which is, it was my IPA of 2020 when I was locked at home. Uh, I was doing curbside groceries and my my local grocery store had that yellow rose and it was so damn good. Don't get it on draft. It does not taste the same on draft. But uh, in the bottles, and these are normal, these are bigger than normal bottles. How much is this? Like maybe 16 ounces or?
3: should be a 16 or, or a little over.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty big bottle. Anyway, it tastes completely different on draft. I don't care for them. But, the, man, that Yellow Rose is a really, really great easy-drinking IPA. So I like the brewery, and I went with this. And, man, that's two for two. This is a delicious beer. And it's giving this kind of toasty, mild spice cigar uh, a really nice element that it's missing with the, with the hot bite. Um, yeah, really good so far. Really, really good.
2: And, and, and you giving me shit about my tie-in? At least I'm paying respect to the Latino-Hispanic dude driving the driving the it's, thing.
1: It's a crazy stinging wasp on the bottle.
2: No, it's a Jabberwocky. It's a different thing.
3: It's clearly, it, they made it look like the Balrog from Lord of the Rings except it's not on fire. I'm just saying. Well, it did ha- it, the, the, the Balrog did have a very stinging wit. I guess that counts for something.
1: A whip or wit? Like he was witty. No, whip. he didn't
3: speak.
2: Like an Indiana Jones fire whip. Oh,
1: okay. Well, look, I'm sorry. I I watched the Lord of the Rings movies drunk because how else could you watch those fucking things? Uh, all
3: right. We'll hold another conversation here in a minute.
2: With I, enthusiasm is how you watch them.
1: I've got another beer, so I'm covered. If you didn't like that one, I've got another one later on. And I, that's that's what, what I and I believe that's what and I believe that's what Yax is about to drink now because we were at the store together.
3: <laughs> yes. From the good friends at White Stone Brewery, located there in Tutstone oh! Cedar Park. Yeah, good dog. Ray Ray Hazy IPA. Uh, the Ray Ray seven point three percent, fifty IBUs, which I'll say is spot on. Very medium. Uh has a, is it, they describe it. And of course, yes, the tagline in their little logo here is the Buzz Fairy.
1: Mm. Buzz Fairy.
3: What else does buzz? Oh, bees go buzz. But they have described it as having uh, aromas of pineapple, orange, and mango, as well as generous amounts of Galaxy Simcoe and Eldorado hops that'll blow your socks off.
1: Are your socks blown off, Yax?
3: Uh, I'm wearing flip-flops. I don't have any socks <laughs> on. Jesus,
1: man. Nothing's going right tonight. I knew I knew after last show, we should have just called a quiz. He's wearing flip-flops. He can't get his socks blown off. <laughs> if Doc hadn't picked that kick-ass Pantera beer, I'd be out of here right now.
3: I mean, the only way it could actually be better is if every time he just cracked open a can, it actually just played Pantera song. All
1: right. You watch. It's going to happen.
4: Good uh, good. Who knows what may start happening as the evening goes on.
1: Uh, okay. Well, as you, I know you haven't lit up yet, yet. so as you light up, we'll talk about how that's... Uh, I am lit
3: up. Oh, you did? When did you snuck, snuck it in? When you snuck it
1: in? How's it going with the uh, hazy?
3: It's very good. Uh, hazy, like I said, it does have a little bit of sweetness from their description. I mean, obviously, there's an IPA, so you've got that floral citrus. But it's in that middle road of IBUs are not in any way impacting the palate for this cigar. So like, you know, that initial light up, little, little, little spice blast there, but it's uh, gone down. And then, of course, same, same that you had mentioned on the cold draw, just sort of that, you know, earthy grass. And then, you know, a little, little bit of sweetness on the on the on the wrapper just that that but uh right now i mean i'm just getting into it so we'll see
1: i'm actually getting a little bit of sweetness uh coming through on that palate with the toast yeah. with the yeah. toasted to that earth Are you getting that tut
3: yeah absolutely
2: and it's not it's not beer induced because uh the mexican lager is not providing any sweetness whatsoever but yeah i was i was i was making a note of that
1: And that's something that if it's not there from the get go, it usually doesn't show up later that that nice sweetness, Uh, man, sweetness, earth and toast mixed with a really nice balanced spice that these are good things. These are things I like. These are things I like to say about cigars.
2: Yeah, I was I'm I'm glad that you went Honduran because I was actually thinking about that uh this week. I was like, I it's been a while since I've had uh Honduran cigar, and Honduran cigars have like a unique smell to them. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, mm-hmm. and so I was I was looking forward to, to revisiting and and you empt, you preempted me. I wanna say, you know, when
1: we the few times we've gone uh really heavy on Honduran is probably when we featured the Oscar Videra stuff, it, he's he's based in Honduras, uh and is, you know, really big in Honduran tobaccos. Whereas, you know, we don't we, we kinda mainly get Nika Nicaragua sense, you know, centric focus with a lot of stuff. And they dabble in little things here and there, but you know, Oscar's kind of the big thing in uh in Honduras right now.
2: I'm I'm glad that you said that because the moment you said that, uh I don't want to say that I got a 2012 type profile, but now that I'm getting more a little bit more educated in Honduran tobaccos, it's more of just a general Honduran profile. I like that.
1: Uh, and at, at the end of the first third where I'm at now, that spice is picking up a little bit in the nose too. So uh, I like that.
2: Yeah, that. I'm getting some pretty heavy spice kicking across. I'm
1: liking that, that uh, fluctuating in intensity of the spice through the nose and then the introduction of some uh, sweetness with the earth. And toast on the draw. Very, very nice. Now, granted, well, I'll
2: of, be finished with this cigar in 10 minutes.
1: Smoke slow, my friend. It'll reward you for it. Speaking of cigars, y'all know who makes some really flavorful ones, don't you? Who's that? That's right, Yak Boy. Our good friends over at Drew State. And one of their most flavorful offerings in their vast portfolio is the Herrera Steli Miami. Crafted by Level 9 Cuban Rollers at the famed El Titan de Bronze on Calle Ocho, the Herrera Esteli Miami line is expertly rolled with a lavish.
3: Lavish. I've, I've heard it both ways.
1: Lavish. Damn it. I was good for like three shows. I said that right. A lavish Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper over a rich Ecuadorian Sumatran binder with select fillers from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. The new look of Herrera Esteli Miami features rich black and gold packaging and is available in five sizes. This Tasty Cigar is now available at Drew Diplomat retailers everywhere, so go get you some. I'd also like to take a moment to talk about something very cool, Cigar World. Cigar World is an online site for cigar smokers just like you. And even if you're not, head over there and you might just uh, get enticed enough to light up and try one. At Cigar World, you can get cigar news, reviews, and a whole lot more. Also on the site is a cigar research panel called the Testing Lab. You can sign up to give your input on new cigars by taking surveys and actually testing cigars themselves. Check it out at CigarWorld.com forward slash testing lab. You might just run into our own doctor there. He loves surveys, research, all that doctor shit.
4: Especially when somebody else does it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You still put your name on it. Oh, Of course.
4: I do love a a good lab environment.
1: You're their preceptor. You make sure everything's going good.
4: I show up. From time to
1: hey, time. Boys. We've talked about what we're drinking. We've talked about what we're smoking. There's one thing left. What we're watching. The film.
2: It's time for the movie.
1: Killer Bees. 2002. Killer Bees. Killer Doctor, Bees. Doctor, were we alive in 2002? What were we doing?
4: Uh, man, oh, stomping we, on the terra like a couple of young bucks.
1: We were probably not sitting at home on a Saturday night watching this movie on the Sci-Fi Channel.
4: Probably not. Probably we were outside.
1: We're out hell raising.
4: Buzzing around like hornets. <laughs> buzzing.
1: Oh, we we're buzzed. I'm sure we were buzzed. Mm. Uh, the film is written by Dana Stone, and it's directed by Penelope Budenhus, who also directed the 1990 film Tokyo Girls, which when I went to check that out, you know, for research purposes, I'm a <laughs> professional. It turned out to be an actual straightforward documentary and not what all, not at all what I was in the mood for so I turned it off immediately. I right. I don't I can't tell you anything about Tokyo Girls. It was I gave it an F-. minus. Um, all right, you guys ready to dig into this? Yeah, let's go. We start things off with some tense, suspenseful ambient music as I watch these things with subtitles on so I just get a kick when they Tell me what kind of music is playing <laughs> as we soar over a giant field of flowers and crops from a bumblebee's perspective. We then join a young boy around 10 years old named Linden and his father, as they play catch out in front of their farmhouse. The dad is quizzing the kid on all sorts of farm and livestock trivia. He also asks the boy to recite the four H's, which his son does. I quote my head to clear thinking my heart to greater loyalty, my hands to greater service, and my health to better living. I had this moment, which I can't believe I got from a movie called Killer Bees. I thought that was really cool that his dad taught him that, and then I realized I only maintained one of the four H's.
2: I know, in 2001, I was putting my hands to greater service.
1: <laughs> oh, God, that was the Travis Tritt tour. <laughs>
4: <laughs> i always thought it was who i thought i thought it was hooch hops hoes and hibachi <laughs>
1: uh, i
4: like those four h's uh
1: no i only i only maintain one of those really good four h's i'm a very loyal fucker for better or for worse usually for worse it always ends up biting me in the ass, but I blame that on that nobody in my formative years ever took the time to teach me any codes or heavy life lessons. And make, the, the dad is really committed to making his kid learn these uh, and, and recite them over and over again. This father actually gives a shit.
2: He was oh. probably studying for 4-H class because I believe that's the 4-H motto.
1: I think the father actually gave a shit. Oh, is that what it is? I think yeah. so.
4: <laughs> yeah, you heard like the 4-H club.
1: That's what it is, the 4-H club. <laughs> the Ag kids at school. They were all pretty kind of dicks.
4: <laughs> yeah, they were. Yeah, it, it wasn't like some, it wasn't like some inner Ooh. philosophy handed down.
1: This to- was, I thought this was a Harris family thing passed down for generations. <laughs> uh,
4: uh, the 4-H, the 4-H club. Those were the 4-H's. Oh, what an idiot. <laughs> you thought thought like that was some like generational thing like his grandfather had told him
2: yes son i'm about to pass down to you and i was like how did the chick who wrote this script which
1: this crazy stupid script actually come up with these four h's i'm like i'm gonna start teaching
2: my kids these these are really good
4: y'all want to call this thing off just start listening to some pantera
2: so if I, my- I wanna go I wanna go put some ambient some tense ambient music on and then <laughs> listen to the four H mottos recited.
1: So if I make my kids recite the four H's, do they also have to like raise pigs and shit in my backyard?
3: <laughs> I hope not. Only if they're part of the organization.
1: Could I eat them for bacon?
3: Yes, that's kind of what they're doing, is raising them for would bacon.
1: Would I have to would I have to slaughter them too?
3: Well, how is she gonna get the bacon?
1: Eh, forget it
3: doesn't just fall off of them,
1: man. You get it at the grocery store, asshole.
3: From the pigs that you were just raising.
1: I can't believe I fell for that. I thought, I thought that was such a special thing, and it was <laughs> such a cool, like, man, those are really good H's, the four H's. All doing? right. Well, let me ask you this. Do you guys have any mantras or sayings that you were taught as a kid that you still hold dear and use them to guide you along life's path?
2: No. I have my own that I adopted. No, no, no I,
1: I don't <laughs> want your own. I, like, was anything told to you as a kid that you that stuck with you? Did anybody give a shit enough
2: about you to make you recite some codes that you held to your heart? My dad looked at me one day while we were out on a walk. We were walking from my grandparents' <laughs> house. And he said, "Son, this world doesn't owe you anything. This world doesn't know who you are." And if it finds out who you are, it's going to do its best to kick you in the teeth. Thanks, Dad.
1: I actually had a friend who his dad printed out his 10, and his dad was very successful, very successful, Uh, came from nothing into a very successful businessman. And he actually wrote out his 10 rules to life and both of his sons had them up on their walls. Um, I'm not going to comment to whether they, they followed those rules or recited the, or committed those rules to memory. But all I remember is the bottom rule, the last one, it was this nine inspirational things that he had learned over the course of his life coming from rags to riches. And then the last rule is the only one I remembered. Uh, Cause I did, I respected the hell out of this guy and it was never forget people are fucking nuts.
2: true phrase
1: yeah Yeah. Uh, well because I didn't have a dad tell me all this stuff easy E was kind of my substitute father figure growing up so I guess I can pass along lines of wisdom like this at some point police on my drawers so I had to pause 40 ounce in my lap and it's freezing my balls
4: I mean that's that's poetry
1: I'm going to relay that to my kids someday when they're ready. Uh, Or maybe this one I hold dear in my heart. Hit my switches. Collect from my bitches. The money that I'll make so I can add to my riches. I call that the three itches. (laughs) It's just. Again, one day when they're ready. Um... Doctor, I think in 2002, we were probably cruising around with a 40-ounce freeze in our balls.
4: I was out on the streets and my record was clean. I creeped on the bitch with my Uzi machine.
1: See? He can't tell you what happened yesterday, but he can tell you what E told, told him 20 years ago. Man.
2: Rest in peace, Eric Wright.
4: I'm the dope man. Yeah, boy, we're in corduroy. Money up Suck here. on
2: these nuts. Suck on these
4: nuts.
1: Uh, Tuttle, have you ever had a 40-ounce freezing ear balls? I don't think so. Uh,
2: No, I had a rattlesnake wine cooler.
1: I was going to say, you guys weren't drinking uh, 40s on the Travis trip bus.
2: No, no.
1: Okay. What a weird little moment there. I can't believe I...
4: It has been a weird several minutes. I I, I think (laughs) I've really taken a turn that I didn't see happening. But you know what? I think we learned a lot about
1: not just each other, but about childhood and life
2: yeah i really do appreciate the easy easy life lessons
1: uh when police are on your drawers pause even if that 40 ounce is freezing your balls and i realize paul's pause, and balls doesn't rhyme but when he said it it did <laughs> that's why he was easy fucking eat anywho I did like this father, so I was sad to see him get killed by a swarm of angry bees a second later. You see, his doofus son, Lyndon, missed catching a baseball, so it rolled under a big junk pile nearby, and when he reached in to retrieve it, the kid got attacked by bees, and his rogue dad raced over to save his son and ended up paying the ultimate price. That was the fifth H he taught his son. Holy shit, that hurts! Go get fucking help! Oh, that's like three more H's. (laughs) <laughs> the seven H's son. Holy shit, that hurts! Help! Doctor, have you ever seen? And do, do you guys notice when the little boy stuck his hand in there with the bees? It was a total grown man hand.
2: No, I didn't.
1: It was the, it was the little boy's shirt, but it was this giant stunt man hand going in there. <laughs> Doctor, have you ever treated anybody at your office who'd been attacked by bees or wasps or, God forbid, murder hornets?
4: Myself, actually. Really, I uh, once was jogging uh, along a nice pathway, uh, passing some flowers and so forth in a residential neighborhood, and I all of a sudden felt it, and I had one of those uh, sleeveless shirts on where there's a little room under the armpit area because it was a a warm uh, summery day, and I felt it Right under the armpit, that fleshy part, oh. and like that. I felt it, and it hurt so bad. I went, "Oh fuck!" And it was one of those bumblebees where it must have been dead, cause it, it, it you know, apparently they sting you, and when they put the stinger in, they die, right? right? so, cause I looked, I looked down there, and there it was. Was the black stinger was in that, <sighs> like my lower lat area. <laughs> and uh and i so i i and it was it was kind of barbed you know so i real carefully pulled that out but uh, it really kind of swelled up uh, uh but it was just the one Cade. so i really i didn't need to seek medical attention uh but i Whew. i gave myself some of my own medicine that i keep around the, the
1: i actually uh yeah. my worst sting ever was also the armpit uh i was in the bahamas one summer my my grandparents had a sailboat we'd go down there and and sail for the summer, and I was, I was swimming off a dock, and a Portuguese man-o-war, which is basically a very mean jellyfish, stung me right across my armpit, Mm. and it also leaves things in you, only they're sea things, so that makes it much creepier and weirder and grosser, uh, oh god, it swelled up like a football under my armpit. It was terrible. Oh, God, it was terrible.
4: Yeah, at least the bee stinger, I was able to, to, to pull it right out of there. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it left a, a little bit of a lump there for a couple of days.
2: Little Texas trick, if you're ever stoned by a Portuguese man of war on the Gulf Coast of Texas, just pee on that son of a bitch.
4: That's,
1: just, that's not really a Texas trick. Everybody everybody knows that, and I did, too. I Even though I was, you know, 9 or 10 years old, luckily – my member was big enough where I could grab it and aim it up and just pee all over my armpit like a. It was like you take the extension off your kitchen sink and just spray under there. It was. Uh, I was fortunate in that in that regard.
4: The truth is, he was in his early 20s and he was going to a club that night where dudes pee on each other.
1: Again, uh, doctor, I told you that in confidence.
4: I had to pay my way through college somehow. <laughs>
1: uh that is that is true. I, I but I, I had no one around to pee on me that I was comfortable asking
0: that of. <laughs> uh, all right.
1: Well, we jump ahead about 25 years or so, where the young boy has grown up to be Sheriff Lyndon Harris of the small farming community of Sumas, the same little Washington town that he was raised in that he and that he directly caused his dad's death in. <laughs> Did y'all notice as we watch him cruise around his patrol car? He's listening to the local news on the radio. And after the report on struggling farmers waiting on government assistance and subsidies, they cut to sports. And as soon as the news guy was like, it was really nail-biter of a baseball game last night, Sheriff Linden quickly cut off the radio. He knows what he did. Any three-year-old could have caught that pass from his dad. He 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 let it soar over his head.
2: I was like, why are you pointing this? Oh, he, okay. he
1: made his poor mother a widow. I'm not pointing it out. When he cut off the radio, I realized the director and the screener wanted us to know. Yeah. He he killed his dad.
4: It was an accidental death.
1: It was at least involuntary manslaughter.
4: And they cut the radio off then because they didn't want to make up phony ball scores. It was a heck of a ball game last night, Clay. That way they don't have to go. Anytime
1: he hears about baseball, it reminds him about how he's responsible for his father's death. Yak Boy, what familiar actor is playing Sheriff Linden in this thing we're watching?
3: B. E. Thomas Howe. The <laughs>
1: the one and only Thomas Howe?
3: No, no, I said B Thomas Howe.
1: B Thomas Howe.
3: No, no, no. C Thomas
1: C Thomas Howe's brother. Howell. What's the C stand for?
3: Cool. Christopher. No. I'm gonna go with cool.
1: That'd work if he was cool. He is cool. He likes C. Thomas L.
3: He's done some things.
2: I know cool. I shouldn't like him, but there's something about him that I'm like, all right, you're cool. What 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 we, what what's you guys' favorite
1: C. Thomas L movie? Mine mine obviously I'm gonna go the easy one because it's uh, just a goddamn wonderful movie and he's really good in it. Uh I'm gonna go the hitcher with Ruggerhauer. Uh that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. I mean that's just when I think of C. Thomas Howe, I know he's been in a lot, but for me that's 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 the the cream of the crop. Doctor?
4: That, I mean that's the one where he's really the lead actor. I mean he's been in classic movies. Obviously, he was in E.T. as one of the bike riding kids. Uh Red Dawn. And uh, The Outsiders, although those are really... He
2: awesome. keeps me warm.
4: He was uh, He
2: was really good in
1: Red
4: Dawn. He was really yeah. good in Red Dawn. I don't know if you can call that a C. Thomas Howell movie, though. No, no,
1: I'm just talking about anything he's been in. Uh,
4: Man, if it's if it's anything he's been in, then... uh, Wasn't he
1: the bus driver in one of those new Spider-Man movies?
4: No, he was a crane operator.
1: A crane operator, okay.
4: Yeah, I don't. I don't know much about his later career, so that's
1: about, even that's kind <laughs> of <worse.
4: laughs>
1: that's, that's kind of worse than bus driver.
4: Crane operator number
1: tough.
4: two. Damn, that's I was in call. Outsiders.
1: He was uh, what Doc, Doc in the Outsiders. He was what Pony Boy.
4: I think, I think it was Pony, Pony Boy. Boy. Yeah. Uh, and and I I'm, I like the Outsiders, but it, I mean I definitely like Red Dawn more. Yeah. Uh,
2: he was just one of, like I said, he's one of those guys that where I'm always like, hey, you know, I kind of want to make fun of him. But every time I see him in something, I'm like, yeah, hey, you're cool.
1: You know what's funny? The Outsiders is kind of like one of those those iconic movies that film students say they like because, <coughs> because the director and, and the early, you know, it's kind of like that uh, Barry Levinson movie, Diner. Oh, you okay. gotta like Diner. Like nobody really likes Diner. Nobody really watches that movie. Over really, like it's my favorite. I, nobody, nobody likes these fucking Outsiders. They like, you know, it's it's interesting because you had Tom Cruise. What you had Swayze, C. Oh, Thomas. Everybody, everybody
4: was in the Outsiders. Yeah, everybody, everybody. that's
1: that's the only thing good about the Outsiders. It's not really that great a movie.
4: Matt Dillon, Ralph Macchio.
2: Beale it was Beale. a great date night movie. I don't know what y'all talking about. Well,
3: uh, I mean, it just like they managed somehow they they captured all these guys at one moment some of them were you know and they were all kind of sort of well known even at the time for being you know at for being that age of an actor but to collect them all in one movie and then now you see you see where they all went from there
2: I'm just like, oh, hey, baby, you like see uh, Thomas Howell and Patrick Swayze, Tom Cruise,
4: Ralph Macchio? Well, you're out on a date with this.
2: Uh, I read. Think...
4: Well, Red Dawn is a ten times better film than The Outsiders.
2: It is. Oh, it's... Ted, yeah,
1: Todd, I know you're a little bit older than us, but you weren't taking chicks to dates for the for the Outsiders. That was like.
2: 80... It was my it was my first uh, VHS uh, stay at home written a movie
1: oh so you had a chick come over and watch okay all right
2: i was like parents were away so i was like i was like
1: i was like tut's taking a chick to the drive-in to see the outsiders he's like 10 years older than us what the hell
2: (laughs) well it's behind the pine curtain kate it was uh
1: fair enough fair enough grew up Uh fast over there uh, the doctor actually uh, stumbled across the C. Thomas Hefeweizen at his liquor store earlier. And uh, he just wasn't in the mood for another Hefeweizen. They would have been a great pairing. With
4: a Pantera beer instead. I couldn't do the C. Thomas you, Hefeweizen.
1: You can't, you can't not do the Pantera beer. Uh, uh, I want, I do want you to revisit that C. Thomas Hefeweizen,
4: though. I'll look into it.
1: If we do the Spider-Man movie, uh, that would really work when we're talking about Crane Worker Number 2. Yeah. Uh, Played by, played by Christopher Thomas Howe. Stay
2: tough, Pony Boy. Stay tough. Hold your head high, Pony Boy. Come on, Pony.
1: Uh, real quick, because this cigar is burning quickly. Oh, it did feature yeah,
4: this immortal line from Swayze to Pony Boy. Pony, you smoke more than a pack today, and I'm going to kill you.
1: Keep it under a pack.
4: Yeah. He was 14.
1: So. <laughs> what age did Patrick Swayze die of lung cancer?
2: That's mean. It's too soon. Soon. too soon. Too soon? Too soon. Okay.
1: I'm sorry. Swayze I love
4: that. Was, Swayze was Pony's big brother. He was looking out for him. He was telling I, him, hey, don't smoke more. Hey, than hey.
1: hey, I love Swayze. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to rough any Pet. I'm sorry.
2: It's okay. It's okay. A little sensitive.
1: Sorry. I almost went with the Patrick Swayze triple Belgium tonight and... I could have made that work, but I didn't.
2: That beer's like the wind of my dreams. Hey, who knows? If you drank enough of it, you might have the time of your life. I'd it all to that beer.
1: (laughs) This is stupid. 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 Oh, God, don't dance. (laughs) Don't do it. Uh... (laughs) This cigar is smoking very quickly. Uh, I'm already down to the band. I am still getting that sweetness has hung on there, hung on there uh, with with the toast and that earth. The spice keeps just kind of flirting with going up and down and up and down. Man, this is kind of the cigar I wanted tonight. It is
2: um, just really tasty yeah on that last coming into the final third the toast for me is really picked up on that palate it's almost overtaking it's
1: almost kind of overtaking the earth but that sweetness is still there uh, that kind of rich sweetness enveloping the the toast and yeah. that,
2: and you're right that that spice is kind of just kind of pushing letting go pushing and letting go
1: let the cigar be complex and interesting with the spice fluctuations Introduce something like that sweetness out of nowhere in the second third and let it ride it out, and then take the best thing about the cigar, which the toast on the palate, and let that be your your central uh, profile going into the final third. Yeah. Man, man. I, I I got no complaints about this guy. I'm
2: also getting like a, just a small hint of jalapeno on the retro hell. Jalapeno.
1: The spice that might be your Mexican lager. That no, could be. No, actually the uh, the spice. <laughs> As it changes on the nose, the spice has actually gone from kind of a uh, just a, a, a flat black pepper into kind of a more vegetal jalapeno. I'll give you that. Sure. Uh, man, I'm liking it. I'm liking it a lot. It's And the construction construction's great. Great burn line. No relights, yeah. even as much as we've been talking. Um, very, very good cigar. You agree, Yax?
3: I do. I, I agree with that. I mean, I can definitely say that that spice has changed a little bit. I mean my my only complaint on the cigar is just how fast it went. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah no, it's it's not gonna stick around for long.
3: And uh, I'm just like that sadly. I, and I was I was smoke I thought I was smoking slow. And I looked down because you just said, oh, I'm almost to the band. It's like, oh, he just burned through I look over, I'm like, oh wait, so am I. Yeah. And literally to the band. Like
1: those, those those thin coronas, you gotta you, you got you gotta be mindful of for sure. Um, okay, and it's going great with uh, the Jabberwocky IPA. It's really adding some strength and um, flavors that aren't there. That that hot bite is working really great because the scar has man. Light to medium body and and medium strength. It, the the beer is really giving it a nice. Punch that it's not getting, um, and the way you guys described your beers, I can't imagine it's interfering at all.
3: No, uh, the uh, Ray Ray IPA, same thing. It's like I said, it's 50 IBUs. That that citrus floral element fits well with the cigar. I mean, is not overpowering in any way.
1: I actually think that one probably is a better pairing. I'm gonna I'm gonna switch to that one next. Um, okay. Well, what's up with the scene where Sheriff Linden's driving around? Actually, don't answer this because we're gonna find out later. Uh, he smiles to himself and says, "Time to good time to go see good old Norbert." And when he pulls over to say good morning to this farmer dude named Norbert, who's fixing his property fence, "Good morning, Norbert." The guy just gives him this go to hell look and gives him the cold shoulder seems as though Sheriff Linden isn't too popular around town. Maybe the locals really liked his dad, and they still hold him accountable for his dad's death. I know I did.
2: He was just a little kid. It was an accident. Let go.
1: So the sheriff heads over to his house for breakfast, where it turns out his teenage son Dylan and his soon-to-be ex-wife, Audrey, aren't big fans of him either. Apparently, Lyndon is responsible for killing his marriage, just like he killed his father, so there's a lot of resentment in the home. His younger daughter, Cassidy, seems to be okay with him, though, so there's that. His wife, Audrey, who he's separated from, is played by actress Tracy Nelson. Doctor, tell us a little bit about this interesting actress.
4: Uh, yes, Tracy Nelson is the daughter of the one and only Ricky Nelson, uh, former uh Teen idol and actor himself, uh, Rio Bravo. I think. Rio is. Bravo, Rio man. Bravo. Yeah. Uh, and also a, a very popular musician uh, throughout the uh, 50s and 60s. Grew up with him on Ozzy and Harriet. Yes, that's right. Yeah,
1: Little, little Ricky. Right? No, that was Lucy. Uh, that was I Love Lucy. Oh, Rick. was
4: in the there. father of uh the uh two guys that were in the band nelson she tracy is their their brother their, their dude
1: they, she's the sister of nelson
4: yeah. oh my god
1: yeah doctor give me a little taste
4: i can't live without your love and affection i can not spend another night on my own it's not pantera but you know it is what it is
1: and get this, not only is she Ricky Nelson's daughter and boy rock band Nelson's sister, she has appeared in four of our beloved Wrong movies.
4: Ah, uh, yes, yes.
1: For the Lifetime Network. The wrong, the wrong Child, The Wrong Child, The Wrong Stepmother, The Wrong Prince Charming, and The Wrong Friend, which I was kind of disappointed. I actually just wrote a script called The Wrong Friend, and I guess it's already been done.
4: Uh, And ignoring that, there were also several other films on her resume that had titles, which, although they didn't have the wrong whatever in it, were clearly LMN movies.
1: Get this, Doctor. To that point, she's also appeared not only in four wrong movies, in four perfect movies. The Perfect Spouse, The Perfect Nanny, The Perfect Tenant, and The Perfect Game.
3: Man, she's all zen. That is a fascinating... Is there <laughs> no word that they just won't attach something else to and make a lifetime movie from it? That's a
1: that's a fascinating filmography. I instantly recognized her as Janet from Seinfeld. There's an a great episode where George is dating this girl named Janet and everyone thinks she looks like Jerry. So they think that she's dating he's dating her because he's secretly in love with Jerry. <laughs> and then at the end of the episode she gets her hair cut short like Jerry. Oh, dude, it's a classic episode, and she's really, really good at it. Uh, so that's that's where I immediately recognized her from. Um, well, here in this thing we're watching tonight, she's depressed and constantly annoyed with her estranged share of husband. Due to their impending divorce, she's just had to take a new job as assistant manager at the Dairy Castle. Ouch! Y'all thought your life sucked. Uh, Well, one good thing comes from breakfast. Lyndon gets to sample some honey that his daughter has produced for a school project. She's cultivating a hive of bees for her rural youth club. See, if they had said 4-H club, maybe I would have put it together with the (laughs) 4-Hs. Her rural youth club.
2: Well, there's probably some rights they have to kick back. Yeah, so
1: so they, they made up their own thing. Lyndon does not like bees one bit obviously uh but he likes his honey well he and his old lady get into a big argument about him working with mayor ditwaller to help evict struggling farmers from their homes and land so that's why farmer norbert gave him the cold shoulder in the morning the farmers hate him because he's working with the banks and the mayor to yeah or close the muscle yeah c thomas howe is the muscle uh, especially she doesn't understand how he could help him after Ditwaller and his bank kicked Lyndon's own family off his daddy's farm recently. It beats living on food stamps, Audrey. Sheriff Schlug tells her and then he bolts. Dude, this guy kicked them out of their own farm and he's still working for this guy.
4: It does beat living on food stamps, though.
1: Some mellow, tense music plays... As as Sheriff Linden drives out to the Gilman farm, taking his wedding ring off on the way. He's finally like, I can't take this bitch anymore. I'm I'm done with this. Mayor Ditwaller and some other bank officers are there waiting for him to help kick Farmer Gilman and his old wife out of their ancestral home that the bank has foreclosed on. Upon the sheriff's arrival, old man Gilman steps out on the front porch and fires his shotgun up in the air, causing Mayor Ditwaller to hit the deck with his toupee flying off in the process. That's pretty funny. The mayor gets up and puts his hair back on and demands that Zeke Gilman be arrested for attempted murder. But Sheriff Linden just shrugs it off. Then the old timer sneaks out the side door and takes off in his pickup truck, which the bank also owns now. So Mayor Ditwaller demands the old guy be arrested for grand theft auto. But Linden says, eh, those charges won't stick either. He's trying his best to cut these families a, a little bit of a break.
4: Yeah, give him a break. I think it was unscripted that the, the, uh, the old drunk guy just ran off and jumped in the truck.
1: No, I think I think he was escaping the shooting of this movie.
4: Yeah, he just he, he <laughs> had a couple of drinks already and he just ran off. Yeah, I'm getting the hell out of this turkey. Especially because he's sleeping.
1: Stop him. He slinked over to the truck like a Scooby-Doo villain. Like, that's that's they, what I was
2: thinking. He, 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 running is putting it nicely. He was just kind of slinking over there, kind of like Sasquatch in the middle of a photo shoot.
1: I mean, Tut the guy was 100 years old. That is true.
4: And drunk. <laughs>
1: the sheriff promises, I'll come back later, smooth things out, and get the Ditwallers out of here. You can take possession of the farm and the truck. Yeah, you better. Man, this Mayor Ditwaller... He's a real dickhead, am I right?
2: He played it well. He's a real dickhead. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Do you know what you call a bee that runs for mayor? What's that? A politician.
2: Thank you. That was wonderful.
1: You're in school now. I don't want them to hit you with the hard questions in a test and you get stuck. Politician. Then we get to see a bunch of big flatbed, flatbed trucks arrive in town carrying crates upon crates of live bees to all the local farms for pollinating their fields. But some of these bees ain't like the others. Am I right, Don?
4: Uh, you are correct.
1: Sheriff Linden just stands there outside old lady Sissy's house with his radar gun, clocking them all above the speed limit. But he doesn't do fuck all about it. That tracks. This guy doesn't do anything about anything. Marriage crumbling. Meh. Speeding cars. Man. <laughs> I like it. Guy, guy shooting a shotgun at me? Eh. Yeah, I'm liking him.
2: Yeah. I'm, on t- I'm on team, I'm on team linden.
1: Interesting point here, Yag boy You're in the hot seat. I know you grew up in a farming family. Your uncles have farms. Your dads uh grew up, grew up helping on farms. Are you familiar with this process? Because it was new to me of trucking in millions of bees for pollination every year especially because you guys are from Washington State where this takes place. Is this a thing where farmers bring in millions of bees to pollinate their fields?
3: Pollinate corn? It is at the time of... Well, there was a thing, and it still is what they refer to as colony collapse. We had just massive amounts of bee colonies dying. And so...
1: Pesticides?
3: Well, some of it was pesticide. Some of it, I think, it was a, a like a bacteria or virus running through bee colonies, killing them. But at the time, which they'll explain here a little bit later in the movie, they did bring in the the bees in, the, in certain areas. They just didn't have enough of them. If if, and that's how the plants reach their, you know, go through their reproductive cycle to mature if they don't have the bees pollinating them. So a lot of places they resorted to basically trucking in bees from other places.
1: So this is a legit thing. It wasn't made up. Oh, Oh, yeah. No. What is pollen?
3: Well, pollen is just the is actually the reproductive material. It's plant semen. Alright, I said it. Fine.
1: I was always taught growing up that pollen happens when flowers can't keep their plants on. You
3: know what? I am totally going to leave. Totally going to leave. Leave? I thought B. Thomas Howe was where it would end, but obviously it wasn't.
1: No, B. Thomas Howe is where it started, pal.
4: Should
1: have okay. ended there too. Okay, no more, no more, no more bad bee puns. I'm sorry.
4: I already said that already. No one believes you.
1: <laughs> Later that night, old farmer Gilman is drunk driving around town. Hey, we've all been there. Swerving all over the road, singing a singing an old drunken song. And then what's going on down on the floorboards? He just sticks his head down under the glove box and smashes into the back of a truck carrying several dozen crates of bees. The shit-faced old fart climbs out of his truck, beer bottles spilling out of the cab with him.
4: You did that before, didn't you?
1: We've all been there. And he goes to confront the driver of the bee truck. But the cigar-chomping Mexican dude doesn't speak English, and when Gilman asks for his insurance papers, even though he clearly just smashed it in the back of the guy, that's such an American thing to do. And I just crashed into you. Oh, really? Mexican. Give me your insurance
4: papers. (laughs) Could have got away with it back in 2002.
1: The Mexican dude just rolls up his window and casually drives off. That's hilarious. I also love how the old fucker smashed into that B truck hard enough to crumple the front of his truck. And the guy didn't even get out of his truck to see what was what. He's just, that must have been a damn good cigar. He was just chilling. (laughs) Eh, That's fine. It'll be okay. Uh,
4: That's the attitude if you live in Sumas, Washington.
1: I can respect that cigar chomping Mexican bee truck driver. Uh, Farmer Gilman realizes then, as he stands there alone in the dark, that it's not actually his truck anymore that was damaged, but asshole Mayor Ditwaller's in the bank's truck. So he grabs a beer to chug in celebration. What do I care? I don't own this piece of shit anymore. Only thing is, a bee from one of the busted open crates has flown inside the old guy's beer, and it starts stinging and attacking him from inside his throat, killing him. Talk about being buzzed, all right?
2: Mm, talk about buzz kill.
1: <laughs> I actually drank a Coke as a child with a bee in it once. Ooh. Uh, I was at my grandparents' country clubs in the summer, had a can of Coke sitting out and I took a swig and I immediately felt something in the, in the Coke and it stung the inside of my cheek and I spit it out and yeah, I totally, I was just like old man Gilman, only it didn't kill me. No bueno. No. And I realize, unlike a lot of critters, that bees are necessary. Like Yak Boy said, we need bees. Without bees, we're screwed. So I I give them a a long leash. I give them a pass. Unlike scorpions or fire ants or, you know, fuckers that fuck with you and they don't do anything for society. (laughs) I I give bees a pass. Stupid fire ants. Uh, The next morning, Sheriff Linden discovers old Zeke's body. I guess your problems are over now, he says down to it. He doesn't whisper it, like, softly. He just yells at the dead guy. (laughs) I guess all your financial problems are over now. (laughs) Jeez. And then he radios into police headquarters and orders his deputy, Slim, to get the town doctor to come over and tell him to put his coroner's hat on. Was it just me, or did the dude playing Slim look like Ethan Hawk if somebody had hit him over the head with a can of soup a couple times?
4: I, I thought he looked like Ethan Hawk brain damaged. So, yeah. That's, that's, that's what
1: I mean. Like somebody just smashed Ethan Hawk over the head with a can of soup.
4: But uh, people looking brain damaged <laughs> was kind of a theme here.
1: You think that was a Sumas thing?
4: I think, I think yeah, or a Killer Bees thing.
1: Tut, did you recognize the actor playing uh, Slim?
4: Man, I thought I did, but no.
1: Once you realized he wasn't Ethan Hawke?
2: <laughs> yeah, once I, I was like, no.
1: Apparently he played the doll maker on several episodes of your show, Arrow, on the CW. He was the doll maker.
2: Yeah, I don't remember.
1: It was 2013, so it was probably in the very beginning. It's been a while. Uh, Back that, when
2: they used to have uh, years between Villain of the Weeks, when they were cool. It was I love, fun. They used to have Villain of the Weeks and
1: it was fun. Man, I love those CW shows when it was a Villain of the Week thing and you didn't have to like string together 20 episodes to figure out what the fuck was going yeah. on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that night at dinner, Lyndon's nice kid, the little girl, gives him a lesson on bees, how the males are drones whose sole purpose is to mate with the queen and then they die, and the female bees are the workers who tend to the hive and collect the pollen. She also educates her dad on what you call a bee who's had sex with all the other bees in the hive. That's a hornet.
3: Now that's a joke I can get
4: behind.
1: A a hornet.
4: I I walked away at the right time. Yeah, you did.
1: (laughs) Speaking of which... While he's spending quality time with his daughter, his still wife, Audrey, is getting all gussied up for her big date with Dave, the manager over at the pick and save. I can only imagine what a big deal that guy is in the town. (laughs) Poor girl. Which one? The daughter or the mom?
4: All of them. Both. Everyone in this movie.
1: She's probably what in her mid forties at this point? No, probably not late thirties. I think Thomas Howe was like 36 when he made this thing. So maybe yeah, she was
4: about a... the same, yeah.
2: By the way, I am just about absolutely done with this.
1: She went from farm wife to cop's wife to working down at the dairy castle. Tut? you are almost done with your cigar. I, I'm in, I'm in the final third here. Uh, I'm, I'm getting a lot of the same thing, fluctuating spiciness, the jalapeno, uh, black pepper. I'm getting the, you know, there's that that nice toast with the sweetness and a little bit of that earth underneath it all in the bank. Construction has been phenomenal. Yak boy, are you in agreement with everything I just said?
3: Yes, absolutely.
2: Price point. Man, this is going to be a tough one because it's a nice complexity. Uh, Great smoke. But it burned fast. I mean, it's gone fast. Uh, I will, man, I'm going to regret doing this. I'm going to go 825. 825. Ah,
1: limited Cigar Association. Limited. Damn it. Damn never it. See, you'll never see these again.
2: I underbid, so bad.
1: The actual numbers uh, produced aren't announced, but they go out to these shops, and once they're gone, they're gone. Which this is two for two for us. That Ron cigar was damn good.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And this one is, is really, I agree. It's
2: been
1: a joy. I agree. It's taking me back to the early Matt Booth stuff. I, I'm digging it. All right, so 8:25. What do you where are you at, Yax? I said 10:50. 10:50. Okay. Doctor,
4: care to venture a guess? He said limited, so I'm gonna go 11:50. 11:50. All
1: right, 8:25, 10:50, 11:50. I'm gonna go 9:24. See my notes. 9:50. Huh. Nine dollars and fifty cents is what we uh got the Not bags. terrible, not terrible at all. It is not terrible. I know it was a quick smoke, but it was a damn enjoyable smoke.
2: It was, and, and it gave I, you I, a lot too. Hey,
1: I paid ten bucks for a beer that I drank a hell of a lot faster and enjoyed than this cigar.
2: Yeah. yeah so it, it gave you a lot for that money.
1: That's kind of how I look at it. Uh, I've also paid ten bucks for a hamburger that I ate and enjoyed a lot quicker than it's taken me to smoke the cigar. So. Everything's relative. Uh, I'm okay with that. $9.50.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: please remember, folks, when purchasing some fine premium cigars from FamousSmokeShop.com, whether they're Room 101 or some other great brands, use your new favorite promo code TNCC20 at checkout. 20. It will knock $20 off your purchase of $100 or more. Tut, your math base now, that's 20%. That is 20%. Don't take my word for it. Take his word for it.
2: Okay. I didn't get a C in calculus for nothing.
4: Hey, C, all right. Hey. D, Thomas Howell? Hey, hey it's
1: not hey. D, Thomas Howell. It's C, Thomas, <laughs>
4: Thomas
1: You think the C stood for calculus? No, it was Christopher.
4: It's Christopher. C stood for spectacular. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, meanwhile, uh, Lyndon's asshole guitar playing teenage son. Get this. This terrible kid actor would grow up to have a huge career and I found it most interesting. He played Michelangelo in the last two recent Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies.
4: And okay. he looked more brain damaged than Deputy Slim. Yeah, that's yeah. saying something. Yeah. No, I did
1: like he got hit upside not. the head with a can of Spam. <laughs> it was like somebody was on set just hitting these actors on the head with <laughs> cans of stuff. Uh, well, this kid's hanging out. Uh, Dylan's his name. Uh, is that right, Dylan? I think so. Uh, he's hanging out with a cute girl named Nadine. And the stereotypical high school jerk ass named Jared.
4: <laughs>
1: yeah. Instead of the U, was Jared what you guys pictured Tut was like
2: in high school?
4: No. It's, I thought Jared he was, was way the too best. cool. I thought Jared was the best actor in the
2: film. I agree. I totally agree. I, li- I like that kid. He was an asshole. He was dickish. He was smarmy. Every time he was on scene, I hated him and I loved
4: him for it. He, 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 had, a role, he had a role to play and he nailed it. Everybody else Yeah, was
1: he, was, he was a smarmy. He, he held his. He held his own with the well-established C. Thomas Howe. He didn't back down. Uh, instead, the usual Friday night cow tipping, Jared finds the Mexican guy sleeping in his bee truck, and they steal a crate of killer bees from him, and they dump it at a local farm, killing all the cows. Oops. Why was that Mexican dude still hanging around there sleeping in his truck? This is days later.
2: Hey, he's got he's got jobs. He's got bees. He's gonna set he's, up and shop. He's,
1: he's still selling his bees. Okay. Maybe he was hanging around for the Big Sumas Honey Festival. Apparently, that's a big deal.
2: I know. I saw I saw a street banner that said Honey Festival, and I'm like, what?
1: Yeah, we're gonna learn about are that. Are we going?
2: To- are we gonna delve into this a little more?
1: Oh, you bet your sweet ass we are. Sheriff Linden joins Doc Kearney down at the office for the autopsy on old Zeke Gilman. The doc has determined from Zeke's blood that he was poisoned. Surprisingly, not from all those road beers he was chugging. He he was poisoned by a bee, and the farmer pulls it out with a pair of tweezers from Zeke's throat, and suddenly it all makes sense. And although
2: he was one note, I do like the doctor.
1: We always appreciate a good doctor, don't we, doctor?
2: Hey, how can you not?
1: Now get me wrong, this guy's not sleepaway camp doctor style. Right,
2: right. I'm not. I don't want to put him up there, but no, he was. No. It was still fun.
1: He had a good mustache, uh, and a good lab coat. We'll give. We'll give him that.
2: Good voice. Well, there's your problem right there.
1: Is it, he's a country doctor. Country doctor. Uh, he says
4: coat. a good lab coat will take you a long way, boys.
1: It will. He says a couple bee stings in the throat is more than enough to close off the trachea. But when the sheriff asks if bees could have possibly killed all the cows they found this morning in the country, Doc says that Lyndon's gonna need to get a forensic entomologist involved to answer those complex questions. Lyndon thanks the doctor and then pukes all over him. No, thanks, if Doc. only
4: he had said, if only he had said, My God, Sheriff, the pure number of bees it would have taken to poison this man is beyond any kind of comprehension. You can't imagine how many bees it would take.
1: How much venom, Doctor?
4: My God, the amount of bee stinging venom it would take. Every fiber of his body would be in pain.
1: Doctor, Doctor, do you you think those cows will ever produce milk again?
3: I'm afraid it's far too early to tell.
1: Doctor would have done better. (laughs) Our doctor's better once again. If you are listening out there and you're an aspiring filmmaker and you have a a doctor in your film, you're a giant asshole if you don't contact us for our doctor.
4: Thank you, Cade.
1: He's not cheap.
4: But I can be had.
1: But he can be had. (laughs) Basically a couple Four Locos and some Whataburger.
4: In other words, (laughs) very cheap.
1: (laughs) But like I said, Lyndon, thanks and thanks, Doc. I appreciate your help. (laughs) He pukes all over She's all over the guy. Uh, Doctor, what is a forensic entomologist, and have you ever made love to one? (laughs)
4: That's two separate (laughs) questions. And the answer is a forensic entomologist is a fancy name for uh, someone who
1: uh, knows a lot about bugs.
4: Yeah. And have I ever made love to one? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, no, sadly, I haven't.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, you answered those both very succinctly. Why, thank you. Well, luckily
4: yeah, they're I'd like just to make love to the entomologist in the Knightsville.
1: Oh, you bet your again sweet ass! I'm mean, I'm on a honey kick tonight. You bet your sweet ass you would.
4: My, my honey, sweet ass, I'd like to. You bet your
1: local honey, sweet ass, you would. Uh Well, luckily there just happens to be a sexy forensic entomologist living nearby, Dr. Riley Muir. And luckily for Sheriff Linden, she's really, really hot. Do you guys think she was hot? I do. Yes. Oh, yes. yeah.
4: And I believe, I believe the sexy entomologist is, I won't call it a sci-fi uh, movie staple, but it's been featured before.
1: Oh, yeah. There's Yeah.
4: Isn't that chick that was sexy, that Jamie Luner that was on Melrose plays? I think she played an entomologist in one of those movies.
1: Yeah, there's also been on um, sci-fi movies a bunch of really smoking hot milf sexy paleontologists.
4: Yeah, it's one or the movie. other. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, Ooh, I need
4: I to change want, my
2: major. I need to change my I, major to paleontology. God, I want to star
4: in sci-fi movies.
1: And and look at Nomads. Pierce Brosnan was once oh, yes. sexy ass anthropologist. When Lyndon shows up at her house, he hears her screaming in agony, so he barges in her front door, gun first. Only it turns out she's letting a bee sting her thigh on purpose as an experimental treatment for her multiple sclerosis. Within the first few seconds of conversation, she reveals that she's divorced, and she asks him about his marital status. She's horny and clearly into our hero, isn't she, boys? Doctor. Do all forensic entomologists wear cute little cutoff jean shorts like that? And can you imagine a forensic entomologist with this amount of levels of horniness in their bodies?
3: Well, I mean, the he does walk in. And
4: is, I hope so. Of and question two is: I dream about it every night.
1: She's so horny, doctor. My God,
4: is yes, she's she's ready to go?
3: Well, I mean, literally, he does walk in and. Literally, her thighs are a buzz, as is everything else now.
4: Oh.
1: Yeah. Would you say that she spread her bees' knees?
4: <laughs> I like it. Uh, the only thing better would have been to see Charles Hal came in and said, It's time for you to take a look at
3: bees' nuts.
4: <laughs> oh, shit.
1: I almost still back in my chair. <laughs> Yeah, I would have liked someone to make a bee's nuts. Right. <laughs> well, fortunately, Dr. Muir keeps a large microscope on her kitchen table, as all good forensic entomologists do at their houses, and cue the tense ambient music. When she examines the bee that killed Farmer Zeke, the news isn't good. She says it's a killer bee from South America. Uh oh. Uh oh. Apparently, there's a lot of different species of bees, but killer bees are the worst of the worst. Tut, you're back in college now, and I've been taking some science courses over the last few years. Do you know what type of bee is known for being indecisive and it can't make up its mind?
2: i not, not familiar with that one. I have had biology, but it was uh, molecular
1: biology. That's called a maybee.
4: Maybe. If you had kept talking for a while, Tut, you might have killed off the punchline. Yeah, shame on you.
1: Yeah, I wasn't really looking for much feedback there, Tut. You kind of, you kind of overextended yourself.
4: Another, another 15, 20 seconds there. You, you saved us.
1: I, I'm kind of looking for the Ed McMahon.
2: No, sir.
4: Don't know. Okay.
2: <laughs> Maybe. Reduced to Ed McMahon.
1: Yes, sir. Uh, After the sheriff and Dr. Muir go out on the farm and examine all the dead cows, it it does indeed seem that the town of Sumas has a killer bee problem. Doc Kearney is there, too, and he notices that the sultry forensic entomologist is looking a little weak in her knees. So he suggests that Lyndon take her down to the dairy castle to get her something to eat. And yes, that's where his disgruntled wife, Audrey, works, so you know there's going to be some fireworks.
2: Awkward situation, (laughs) Cade.
1: Actually, Tut, no, it's not. As they eat and talk about how the bees could have possibly got from South America to Washington State, Audrey and her new beau, Dave, the pick-and-save manager, walk past them on their way to yet another hot date, and Audrey seems like she couldn't care less that Lyndon's hanging out with a new chick, and I really don't blame her. This
2: guy's a putz. Ready to move on, Cade. (laughs) Now you
4: got the spirit of it, (laughs) Todd. She doesn't care. Everybody's tapping some new ass tonight, sir. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, she really doesn't seem that bothered by it. uh, Which doesn't add up in the scheme of the whole movie, but whatever. Sheriff Linden, Deputy Slim, and Dr. Muir hold a meeting with all the local farmers the next day and tell them that they need to stop pollinating their fields until it can be determined where the killer bees are. The farmers all give a unanimous middle finger to Linden and tell him to kick rocks. If they don't utilize these bees, the trucks full of bees will just take them on to the next county over and they'll be left out. This is their livelihoods on the line. They ain't stopping shit. Dude, remember Farmer Norbert? He stands up. I'd rather sleep out in the pasture and pick corn out of horse droppings and stop
0: pollinating. That's a bold statement.
1: Man. And he gets up and he nods at all the other farmers and they all get out of there. These dudes are hardcore about their pollinate.
4: <laughs>
1: and I can't say I blame them.
2: You
4: got be a bee problem.
2: <laughs> so Some now bees flying around killing people.
1: So now basically everyone hates Lyndon even more than they did before. That tracks. And as if the farmers weren't angry enough at him, Mayor Ditwaller shows up at police headquarters with his entourage. There's these two dudes from the bank that go everywhere with him. They have no lines. But every time we see the mayor, which is a lot of times, these two dudes in suits are just hanging out with him.
2: And they're just old crusty dudes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And mayor, the mayor's frustrated as hell with all this talk of killer bees he's been hearing around town. He accuses the sheriff of stirring up hell with a long spoon. I like that phrase. And the mayor doesn't like it one bit. The sheriff can't be causing a panic and bad PR this close to the Sumas Honey Festival and the soon-to-be-announced groundbreaking of the new Meglo town. A big retail store, Megalomart, has been talking for years about coming to Sumas, and they're going to come to the Honey Festival to see what's going on and make their final decision. Doctor, we say it every time we do a creature feature, but why don't you enlighten us and our audience once again on this key ingredient found in all good flicks of this nature?
4: Well, or apparently every flick of this nature, because it didn't have to be good. Yeah. Uh, but there's always a corrupt politician, or, or if not corrupt, a stupid politician. But let's face it, that's an oxymoron. Uh, who, I think you
1: just—I think you just say politician.
4: Say uh, politician, a local politician, uh, and there's always some kind of festival coming up. There's always something big on the horizon that's going to be big for the community. Yeah. In this case, it's the Honey Festival. Uh, and the Jaws rip off uh, Great White or The Last Shark, as it was known. It was uh, the uh, uh, wind-sailing regatta and barbecue. There's always, there's always there's some kind of get-together going on.
1: King Cobra. King Cobra it was a big microbrewery festival that we did. You
4: got, you got something going on, and it's very important for local commerce. And so the ne'er-do-well politician, who's usually the mayor, he's not letting anything stand in that way. It doesn't matter. What kind of signs there are, it doesn't matter how alarmed he should be at the number of brain-dead people that seem to live in his community. That that honey festival, that wind sailing and barbecue regatta, the craft bee, it's going to go on. The show is going to go on because this local politician's got a lot riding on it, usually something under the table. And it is that, a table of every feature feature
1: i say good because they're always better if they have this character yes i miss i miss them when they don't have this character and mayor ditwaller really goes overboard with the stereotype he he he, he fits the bill to a t he
4: hel- he helped the proceedings along i'll say that
1: yeah well their meeting is cut short as an old farmer runs in the room and says the killer bees are attacking folks down at the farmers market but when Sheriff Lyndon and the mayor run down the street, it's just a couple of kids in bumblebee costumes handing out flyers for the festival. Everybody laughs at Lyndon, even the mayor. And apparently they give zero shits about farmer Zeke who was killed by a killer bee. He's not even underground yet. This pillar of the community that's been around forever. Dude, it's funny. Let's just bust Let's, let's bust on his ass. Uh, Maybe they should hold an annual Sumos asshole festival. Because apparently everybody in this town's a giant asshole.
2: And, you know, it's a small town, so everybody knows each other. Everybody knows what's going on. There's
1: yeah.
3: all kinds of this oh,
1: old guy man. literally died yesterday of a killer bee. And this <laughs> his old buddy, the farmer next door, pulls this little stunt.
3: Assholes.
1: Sumas Asshole Festival. They'd all be celebrated.
4: Sumashole? Sum- Sumashole. How would you judge such a thing, though? I mean, it would be like it would take you forever. Well, I think
1: we'll learn at the end of this. Mayor Ditwaller would be the king, king asshole of the. the
2: Can't festivals. find a better judge than Mayor Ditwaller. That competition so far.
1: Well, back over at the Dairy Castle, Lyndon's son uh, Dylan is giving Nadine some guitar lessons because chicks love a guy with an acoustic guitar. When smug dickface Jared,
3: remember that
1: teenage <laughs> asshole. He strolls in, and he tells Dylan, that he thinks it's terrible how his father's being treated. Little pun of his own, being treated. I'll give you a pass. Stupid ass with his stupid B puns. He gives Dylan a slow clap for not ratting them out to Daddy for killing all those cows, but he warns the guitar-strumming softy, I'll be watching you. However, right now, I must be going. Ugh. What a moron. You know what? No more cleverly constructed bee puns for me, boys. This guy just ruined it. I'm done with bee puns <laughs> for the night.
4: Third time
2: I've heard that. Take notes. Take notes.
1: And he's not the only one getting shit on uh, Dylan for their dad's job. Over at the middle school, Lyndon's daughter Cassidy is in tears as a bunch of shithead kids circle around her in the gymnasium, buzzing like a bunch of bees around her. Taun- taunting her. And she can't seem to break free of them, so she just sits there and takes it.
4: It just seemed like such a poorly constructed scene because they look like they were smaller children than her. And she
1: could <laughs> like, she, she could just left.
4: Yeah, I, I actually <laughs> kind of laughed.
1: The the scene in Halloween Four where everyone taunts little Jamie for being Michael Myers' niece is so good because they're amazing. her they're her peers, and she thought they were her friends. This is like they're like kindergartners and she's like ten. And she just sits there and takes it. I know my dad's an asshole, damn it. That night, while his kids are home alone sobbing, Sheriff Linden's having a romantic home-cooked dinner over at Dr. Muir's place. This guy. He's complaining about how everyone hates him. And she says, well, at least you don't have multiple sclerosis for which there's no cure. And he's like, yeah, I guess.
0: It is.
4: It is a romantic scene.
1: He asks, "All right, well, I'll bite. What's it like to have MS?" And she says that despite the constant fatigue, tremors, and occasionally passing out, it has not. It has made her not want to waste a single minute of her life. And that's when she flashes him the forensic entomologist bedroom eyes.
4: It has not diminished her horniness. But. It, 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 Yes. Uh, uh, yes.
3: Uh, uh. Cut, oh. motherfuckers. Oh, jeez.
1: Is that a forensic entomologist joining you? Oh, no, it's Nada.
3: It, it's it's Nada. me.
1: It's a forensic awesome bartender, Nada. Yeah. What are you drinking?
3: Beer. Fucking it's a fucking noise beer. It's IPA. What <laughs> well, drink folks it. At,
1: yeah. Folks at home, you'll, you'll recognize Nada. Uh, not only from our early earlier episodes where she would bring us our beers, but she occasionally pops up in Cody's Zoom square and yells at us and
3: <laughs>
1: drinks Cody's beer. And we always love to it's see her beautiful right. face. She, she's drinking it again.
3: It's strong. It smells stronger as IPA than it tastes like it IPA. Nada, how are you? What? He said, how are you no, doing? I'm good. I'm alive.
1: You're alive. That's good. That's more than I can say about the people in our movie tonight. <laughs> I don't
3: know what movie you're talking about.
1: Nada, do you know what a forensic entomologist is?
3: It's pretty English words for me.
1: It's a bug Sorry. expert. To the
3: point. Okay, it tastes better than it smells.
1: I'm going to add that to your tasting notes, Yax. The beer you're drinking tastes better than it smells.
3: Yeah, yeah be drink- because I don't
1: like IPAs. Hey, much like Yak Boy himself.
3: Much like what?
1: Nothing. Don't worry.
3: Oh, fuck you, Kate. Hi, Nancy. I miss you.
4: Hey, Nada. Talk- oh. Hello.
1: This is, how Nada's, this is how Nada's visits always go. She drinks Cody's beer. She says hi to the doctor. She tells me to fuck off. And then she throws Tut a peace sign and then disappears. Exactly. Right. <laughs> okay with that. <laughs>
3: right. Bye guys. I'm leaving. Bye, Nana. Bye, Mancy. Bye,
4: Bye, sweetheart. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the ladies love the doctor. Yeah. Yaks, yeah, I am switching over to your BuzzFairy uh hazy IPA. We'll see how that goes. It's gonna
3: uh, go well.
1: Man, in those early days it was always That was a regular thing on the show when Nada would come in to deliver our rounds of beers. In those early shows, you could hear me because we're in the upstairs at O'Brien's Irish Pub. I would lean my hand over the balcony to the bar and snap my fingers that we needed more beers. And you can hear Nada saying, fuck you, Cade.
4: Yeah, I don't recall that going off too well. And you just leaned over and did some snapping. Well, we tried
1: a different system where Yaks would text her, but she would never answer those texts. He's like, just snap your fingers. I'm like, oh, right, yeah, I see that going well. <laughs> Volatile uh, Eastern European women love being snapped at. Uh, we love Nada. It was good to see her. Where was I? Uh, oh yeah he asks what Sheriff Linden is having this romantic dinner while his kids are at home in misery because of the embarrassment of their father he asks her because he has to she brought it up so what's having multiple sclerosis like and she says despite the constant fatigue tremors and occasionally passing out it's made me not want to waste a single minute of my life and that's when she flashes him those bedroom eyes but because Lyndon's a total slap dick, he thanks her for dinner and runs out the front door.
3: What
4: a, uh, would have been the perfect opportunity for him to go, it's time for
3: bees nuts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know that fucking pick and save manager, Dave, is serving up Audrey his dilly bar across town after hours at the Dairy Castle. He,
4: he's there, they're, they're putting some cream on in the
2: Dairy Castle. So what's the holdup? Sheriff Linden did not Dolly.
1: Dude, she I, I got the sense from his wife it was over. She told him we need to just... People are getting the, the, the wrong idea that we're still together. We need to spend some time... Dude, she's ready to move on with Dave.
4: She was getting the prick and save.
1: Dude, I was... I actually went in there the other day, Doctor. I was very disappointed in their selections. Yeah. The next morning, Dylan uh, rides his bicycle past Sheriff Lyndon and Dr. Muir as they're inspecting trucks for killer bees on the side of the road. Just as he reaches them, Dr. Muir has a weak moment from her MS and the kid sees his dad embracing her. But he's really just trying to keep her on her feet. How's that for bad timing? This hot chick almost falls to the ground you hold her up and then your your son rides by on a bike
4: well the truth but again the son is brain damaged so he may not yeah, really no, and know the, the kid thing. the kid's a fucking idiot
1: dad tracks down his son jamming with his lame-ass rock band and he tries to explain to the kid that he wanted to work things out with his mom audrey but dylan needs to understand that nothing lasts forever in life gee dad i can't wait to grow up
2: Yeah, well, Dylan, you don't look bad at me. Your mom's banging the prick and save guy.
4: Yeah. She's down at the pick and suck. I mean, come on. (laughs) It's
1: a small town. People talk. But being a grown-up does have a few advantages, as that night Dr. Muir kisses Lyndon. She can't contain herself from seeing Thomas Howe any longer. But again, he pulls away. Dr. Meir says that she knows it's because of Audrey, and that she also knows that Lyndon is a good man. She says that even though they both know damn well that Dave from the Pick and Save is currently eating Audrey's hot fudge sundae across town at the Dairy Castle after hours, she thinks it's admirable that Sheriff Stupid is respecting his marriage vows. Or I think she said something like that. Time to move on. Yes, sir. Todd, did it make you uncomfortable when I talked about Dave from the Pick and Save eating Audrey's hot fudge Sunday?
3: It made me uncomfortable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Get Nada back up here. No. The next day, Lyndon, uh, he does take his daughter Cassidy over to Dr. Mears' house to learn about bees from a real bee expert. So he clearly does have some feelings for her if he's introducing his kiddo to her, right?
4: Or he's just looking for a lazy hour of babysitting.
1: Or maybe he just doesn't have a fucking clue what's going on. That's my guess.
4: He just needed to dump the kid somewhere for a while.
1: Yeah, you know, I just want to go nap for two hours. Here, teach my kid something.
4: I got nothing going on. My wife's over at the pork and save. I'm just going to drop the kid off.
1: You guys have called it the prick and save, the pork and save.
4: <laughs> and
1: I get you. the tut eye roll for saying... He was eating her hot fudge sundae.
4: Come on. Well, those are... I I like the hot fudge sundae. Those are way better than the bee jokes.
1: Did you like when I said he was giving her the dilly bar at the uh, Dairy Castle
4: after hours? Would you say that that hot fudge sundae had a cherry on top?
1: Nobody had plenty of nuts.
4: (laughs) Oh! Bees
3: nuts!
1: Uh, remember that crazy, lanky, bearded farmer who thought he was hilarious for pulling that killer bee prank on Sheriff Linden with the kids in the bee costumes? Yes. Well, this buffoon is out on his farm driving his tractor around when he sees that a fresh stack of bee crates have been delivered. So the brainiac hops off his tractor, cracks open a thing of bees, and is promptly swarmed by killer bees. Oh, new bees! Just crack this open like an Amazon box.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Something in the water there in Sumas, isn't there?
1: <laughs> what a bunch of fucking numb nuts, Oh, sweet, a new swarm of bees. Let's see what they got here. <laughs> he runs out into the cornfield, yelling for help, but the bees just follow his ass and sting the shit out of him till he's dead. Good riddance to bad rubbish. Am I right, doctor?
4: You are right, sir.
1: Speaking of bad rubbish, that night at the mayor's office, Linden and Dr. Muir had been summoned to report their findings. Turns out they were unable to find any more killer bees on all the trucks they inspected. And in another blow to their case, it turns out an elderly woman who died in town from a bee sting earlier that day was allergic, and it was just a common European honeybee that did it. Linden tells the mayor that he thinks it's premature to say that Sumos is free and clear killer bees. But Mayor Ditwaller tells him that your sheriff career will be premature if you don't stop this nonsense right now. We got the Megalomart and the Sumas Honey Festival to think about. You'd love it, wouldn't you, if Sumas was covering killer bees? Get your face on the National Geographic.
4: Is- exactly. I mean, he this this man is no Murray Hamilton. No, he is
1: not Murray Hamilton. I mean, I
4: mean, it, it, is, it, is, it is. And Murray's turning over in his grave thinking of what he could have done in Killer Bees. But yes, good good analogy.
1: Uh, wouldn't it have been awesome if their big thing for the Sumas Honey Festival was the rock band Striper playing? <laughs> like they were coming into town with their Bumblebee bus and they all had their, their black and yellow leather suits on, <laughs> playing hard rock music. How cool would that have been? To see Striper get attacked by a bunch of bees?
4: It would have elevated this movie to an entirely different level.
3: God gave rock and roll to Look, Striper is coming out here for the grand opening of the Megalomart. We
4: can't lose this. Striper is headlining the Honey Festival. We can't stop this. I don't want to hear anymore about these killer bees.
1: Well, Linden decides to get back and is pissed off son dylan's good graces by taking him out for a driving lesson the next day in his patrol car he warns him well one he's like if we get pulled over by the cops let me do the talking that's a little in joke because they're
0: driving a cop car
1: and he also warns him that that punk jared he's been hanging out with is bad news and dylan can't help but agree dylan also warms up to his old man and admits that he was there for the killing of those cows and he knows which truck the killer bees were stolen from. Linden radios into Deputy Slim, who's napping, which tracks, and tells him to ignore Mayor Ditwaller's orders and put out an APB on a bee truck with Mexican plates. Yakboy, what does APB stand for?
3: All Points Bulletin.
1: You're right. And you are also right, Yakboy, on the um, Ray Ray Hazy IPA, the Buzz Fairy. It is very juicy, very uh, fruity, very floral. Man, that's a good summertime IPA. It is. I'm actually glad though I stuck with the uh, the one I did, the Imperial IPA, the Jabberwocky, because it gave that Murder Hornet cigar some some strength and uh, a little bit of kick, which it, I thought it needed. This This might have really paired with it well. I wish I could have kind of had them both, but Man, that cigar went way too quick. Um, well, as proof that Jared is bad news, as if we need this point, we cut to Jared pulling his truck over and stealing some corn from a field. Three samples.
2: He just goes over pulls over to corn. You live just- in a corn community where there's nothing but corn pastures in this entire town. I'm sure, I'm sure you don't have to steal corn. And dude, he just throws it in the back of his truck.
1: I'm going to skip school today. Go home and boil some corn.
4: <laughs> yeah, corn. He's casting aspersions <laughs> on screenwriters of Killer Bees. And
1: dude, he's chuckling his ass off. Free samples.
4: <laughs> I just
2: love this kid, man. He, just, dude, he, he plays the high school asshole beautifully.
1: <laughs> but corn theft isn't enough for this dim-witted corn cob as he sees an abandoned tractor belonging to that wiry bearded farmer that recently got swarmed by by bees. So he decides to take it for a joyride. But here's the thing. He acts like he's never seen a tractor before in his life in a town full of tractors. What? Sweet. (laughs) He climbs up on it, fires it up. Awesome. Dude, there's more tractors in this town than cars. Again,
4: (laughs) you sang the screenwriting for this for killer bees is a little lackluster.
2: <laughs> just saying I like
1: the kid. Dude, he takes a joyride. He fires it up with a maniacal grin and a crazy look in his eyes. He starts, not only does he start driving the tractor, he lowers the tiller to the ground so it starts tilling the fields.
2: fucking everything up. He asshole. Doesn't, he
1: doesn't give a shit. This is the ultimate asshole. And by doing that, he <laughs> Doctor, this isn't going to be good for anybody, is it? oh no it isn't he runs over the entire stack of crates of bees that were delivered to this guy's house he unleashes millions of bees just on his little joyride Well, one good thing does come from all this the bees hunt down jared as he runs into the cornfield and they kill his arrogant ass it's worth noting at this point we don't actually get to see the bees stinging and massacring these people up close. The film is very light on gore and bloodshed. And I wish it would have shown us more. But I think this was originally a shot for sci-fi movie in the early yeah, days. Of yeah, straight
2: up budget restrictions.
1: So, well, and that and content restrictions. Back then, they couldn't show you a lot of the gory stuff. So, true, true. So what we get here isn't really much of anything visceral i would have loved to see the bees just going crazy but
2: i dude, would have sci-fi, loved
1: sci-fi movies got a long leash we did a, a leprechaun sci-fi movie on the show
2: yeah
1: years ago and they actually got really gory with it they've really loosened what we can watch on cable tv yeah. back in 2002 this was about as good as it was gonna I mean, it was just kind of safe
2: I would, have, I would have liked wow. one addition to this. I would have liked an open frame of that cornfield and just him running across the frame with screaming while the bees tracked and followed him out of frame. And then you could have
4: done what you wanted to. I know it's camp, but I would have liked it. Well, and the CGI too, early 2000s, it's amazing how much it's happening. The
1: CGI looked, I mean, they're clearly CGI bees swarming around, but it didn't look terrible.
2: I gave it a pass. It's a sci fi movie in the early 2000s. So, you know, technology being what it's doing, that's fine. To your, to your
4: point, though, Cade, earlier before the show uh, on the sci fi channel um, was the original <coughs> Alien movie. And whereas what we're talking about, you know, 2002, uh, now in 2021, they were playing Alien unedited. So here it was a movie that, that started at seven o'clock at night or six thirty or whatever. And you know, anybody can watch it. It's not a blocked channel, it's a sci fi network. And it gets towards the ending scene. And I mean, like Sigourney Weaver just says lines, she's like, Then we, we trap it and we blow it the fuck out into space. And it's like she just dropped a Net Bomb on a sci fi channel at eight o'clock. Dude, everything yeah, is prime time.
1: Everything has changed so much. I mean, 2002, we were still listening to Howard. I was still listening to Howard Stern on FM radio on my way into work where he couldn't say shit. And we're living in a world now where on satellite radio, you know, he can talk about anal sex and the most you name it. He can talk about it and everybody can get it on their radios and on on major network TVs you hear stuff that you would never hear in a sci-fi movie. I, 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 that, that is one thing, uh, the few things over the last 20 years that I'm okay with. Yeah. We're, not, we're not babies. We can hear bad words and see things. We're no, okay.
4: As if for you personally, as a parent, it's got to be harder to police that with kids in the home, I guess. Because, I mean, like I said, this, this was a movie that was on at an early hour no for yeah for me who gives a fuck i, I just think if you're a parent it's going to be a little bit harder because you you know stuff's on when your kids can still be up in the early evening yeah with themes and words and stuff like that but yeah for me i care less
1: uh well the simple answer there is i just i don't let my kids watch tv My my kids have grown up, and that's what's so different from our childhood. My my kids have never grown up in a house where they could just turn on the TV and watch live TV. Because of their age and because we're from, when they turn on the TV, they turn on a streaming service. They turn on either Netflix or Hulu or Amazon, and they watch pre-designated things that they're cleared to watch. It's not like when we were kids and it was just, Four channels on a fucking dial. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's so different. It's, but in a, in a lot of ways, it's much easier. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it is interesting. Um. Well, in town, uh, Mayor Ditwaller is flirting with three busty queen bee contestants as he calls Sheriff Linden over to help pick a winner. These chicks. Hubba hubba. Well, Mayor, I believe we should leave that decision up to the judges, Lyndon says. In this town, I am the judge and jury in all matters. And don't you forget that, Harris. There'll be no more talk of killer bees. Jesus Christ, man. This guy went from like.
4: Calm down. Yeah. He just met them 320-year-old chicks in the tight bumblebee suits. He was horny. If
1: you say so, Mayor. Oh, I do say so.
4: Okay. Okay. Got it. Fine. jesus pick her pick her he wanted to take miss bee sting over to the cornhole and save and
1: the blonde was the clear winner and i was glad later we see that she had the crown she she was spectacular and she wisely left her name off
4: the imdb credits i don't (laughs) want anything to do with this
1: Look, I will wear the little bee suit and the and the bee crowd. I don't don't ever mention my name. Twenty
4: years ago, she's like in her early 40s now. She has a family. She's just doesn't want anyone to know about killer bees.
1: I think she's a congressman in Florida, but I could be wrong. Ditwaller tells Lyndon to get back to work moving that widow Gilman out of her farmhouse so the bank can sell it, and Mr. Mayor me can be happy again which Lyndon agrees to do, but luckily when they get out there, lucky for the wrinkled old windbag of bones, uh, just as Linden has begun carrying her cardboard boxes out of the house, he gets a call from Slim that the killer bee truck has been spotted a few miles away, so he takes off in hot pursuit. And just like most things in Lyndon's life, or I guess everything in his life, this police chase ends in disaster. He chases the truck who refuses to pull over. Lyndon reckons, It's a Mexican. He probably thinks I'm an immigration officer. All right. First of all, how many Mexican immigrant truck drivers make it all the way to Washington State?
4: Not very many, one would assume.
1: Second, how many many immigration officers are driving around Washington State? Are you going to catch a Canadian slipping over
3: here?
4: Which raises a question. That And and I probably can answer it because I've already made fun of the screenwriting at one point. Why would you have the location be in Washington State?
2: Is was something a little bit closer to the border where, you know, they're because, supposed to be coming from South, because, South America? Because
1: if it was Texas, as Dr. Muir said, Texas or, you know, on the southern border, this would make sense because they come up from New Mexico. This doesn't make sense, doctor, in Washington State. How did they get here? It turns out a Mexican truck driver got drunk and lost and just drove all the way through North America, all the way up to Washington State.
2: That is true. You got to have that element of, oh, my God, how did this happen here? In Texas, there would have been a little bit of like, well, you. of course, it's one of those weird things where I always hear stories about killer bees, but I've never really known anybody affected
4: by killer bees. Couldn't you still have made the 90-minute sci-fi movie by having us be in some town in Texas?
2: Yeah, probably. I mean, obviously, sci-fi will make movies about anything, anywhere, so...
1: There was 20 other Killer Bee sci-fi movies I passed over to get to this one. Um, Wow. Well, finally, the flatbed swerves off the road, crashing on its side, which unleashes all of the crates of Killer Bees into the sky in a giant swarm. Uh Uh-oh, that's not good. Do you guys happen to know why bees stay inside their hives all winter? Why? It's swarming there.
2: It is swarming there.
1: Doctor, look at me. Doctor, look at me. It's going to be okay. Linden and Dr. Muir race over to the mayor's office and tell him that he has to cancel the Sumas the Honey Festival. But we know damn well, don't we, Doctor, how that conversation is going to go. Ditwaller is defiant. The Megalomart head honchos are in town to see our little town at its best. There's no way I'm canceling this festival. I've been stung once, but I ain't getting stung again, Linden says as he marches out the door. I had no idea what that meant.
4: I didn't either. That does going you doctor,
1: on. doctor, you're right. This is just the worst screenplay ever
4: written. It was top three, at least.
1: You could tell this chick was like, this is going to be a statement. This is going to hit home. It means nothing. It's stupid.
4: You don't need to make a statement. Just give it a cool line. We got C. Thomas Howell in this thing.
2: No, no, no. You need that one-liner.
1: The next morning, the sheriff orders his own family. to. Type sta- for me to buzz off. You know what, Mayor? I'm just going to buzz off.
2: Suck on bees nuts.
1: I just delivered that better than anything he said in the whole thing. <laughs> you don't want to believe anything I said, Mayor? That's on you. But you know what? They called and asked about
4: how things were going here. Who? Bees nuts. <laughs> And then the mayor stands up and goes, "Someone talked to himself out of honey with breakfast."
2: <laughs> oh Lord. Uh, where was I? Um, the next morning, the, sh- the
1: the next morning, the sheriff orders his own family to stay indoors until the swarm has moved on out of Sumas. But his son, Dylan, snuck out early to go down to the lake with his sweetie Nadine. Doctor, this was straight out of Jaws 2, where the son wakes up early and goes sailing with his friends, despite the dad's warning.
4: Yeah. Well, at least in that case, Roy Scheider somehow made some sense. In this case, your dad. Yeah, but,
1: but this was a total ripoff. It's like, I want you guys to stay here. Where's the older boy? Oh, he's out. Just like Jaws 2. Well, Dylan finally, out the lake, gets up the courage to put his arm around Nadine when a nearby fisherman gets swarmed by killer bees. Cue the suspenseful music. And the teens run off to take shelter in a nearby pop-up tent. It's a little campy tent they run into. Go away. Leave us alone, Nadine yells at the bees.
4: you want from us?
1: You gotta be kidding me.
4: Well, this this explains why she's attracted to Dylan. They're both incredibly stupid.
1: Luckily, Sheriff Linden shows up just as the tent is being covered by thousands of angry bees. He just turns on his siren and honks his horn a couple of times, and that scares all the bees off. Is, is that, that a that's thing?
3: That's a bad fucking precedent.
1: Is that a thing in real life? You can just honk your horn and they go away?
3: Well,
2: not really, because... Like, killer bees are agitated by sound. Like, they'll they'll actually gravitate. So, realistically, asking, they should have swarmed his car.
1: I'm asking, Ted, because later on in the movie, that could have saved a bunch of people if he just started making noises, and they don't do Off that. Off the horn! Oh, wait. Lyndon doesn't learn anything. Okay.
3: Nobody learns anything.
1: And for some reason, when he pulls the kids from the tent, there's hundreds of dead bees all over the tent in the ground.
3: I didn't
2: understand that. Did
1: the car honking kill the bees? Is that a thing?
3: I didn't understand that. If that was the case, then you should have just simply gotten massive speakers and car horns.
1: Oh, wait, Yaks. So many questions that I don't give a shit if any of them are answered. <laughs> oh. Dude, I thought that that was going to be a thing where they learn like, oh, noise does something so they could save his kid, his family. No, that's not a thing. Okay, well, I thought they might explain why when all these thousands of bees attack, half of them die without stinging But Nope, we're not going to explain that either. Uh,
4: guess at this point, guess the what? It's going to be a thing as the running times completion.
1: Guess what, filmmaker? If you don't give a shit, I don't give a shit. Of course, when Lyndon shows up at the mayor's office once again, this is like our fourth trip to the mayor's office. He just hangs out there with those two dudes standing behind him. To tell him about the latest attack by killer bees on the fisherman and his kids, the dipshit Ditwaller reasons, hey, that attack happened all the way out the lake, so there's no call for concern. This pisses off the sheriff to no end, so much so that he takes up Ditwaller's request for him to turn in his badge. You can take my badge, Ditwaller, just like you took my farm, but you cannot stop me from warning these people about these bees. He also takes out his side piece, puts his gun on the desk. What the heck do you all care about Sumas anyway? You done sold us out years ago to the Megalomart. And there you have it, boys. There you have it. This is ultimately a redemption story. And Sheriff Linden is finally making the bold moves necessary to redeem himself and maybe may be his very soul.
4: Do you think he'll be able to get his wife out of the doggy style and save?
1: It's the... (laughs) I think it is the doggy style and save. Why would they open such a store there? It seems like that would be a problem for the mayor. I
4: mean, you know,
1: it's in Sumas. It seems like the Megalomart people would have a problem competing with the doggy style and save.
4: Did anybody just want finally to get something out of this movie and have him just use a Clint Eastwood line when he takes off the star? Here's a seven point suppository, Captain. In other words, shove it up your ass. I was
1: looking for him to say any kind of cuss words, but then I was like, oh, yeah, TV movie. He's not. He said heck in this thing. I, I'm very proud. I don't know about you guys. I'm very proud as an adult male. I haven't said the word heck ever. I think even as a kid, I said, hell.
4: Didn't we gloss over it at the beginning? Doesn't Zeke say you can go to heck? He may have. I think he said something like when he first shows up, he's all calm. Zeke down. You go to heck sheriff.
1: Is that how bad TV standards were in 2002? You couldn't say go to hell. You had to say, go to heck
4: pretty much. Yeah. I, no, I, I was cursing like at the ripe age of 10. I was, I was a potty mouth. I've,
1: ne- I've never fucking said that. <laughs> and anybody who says heck, I laugh in their face.
4: In fact, I think one of our classmates in the fourth grade told me I was a potty mouth. That was me. I thought you were right there with me cursing.
1: I remember it both ways. So sensing that Lyndon... Need some more Pantera Ale. <laughs> there you go. Sensing that Lyndon has finally kind of grown some balls back, turning his badge, his estranged wife Audrey and his son Dylan, who up till now has hated him, start helping him pass out flyers and putting up signs warning the town about the killer bees. They're not painfully embarrassed by him anymore. They're helping him. And get this. Sitting at the family's kitchen table with them working on these signs is Dr. Muir. He's got his estranged wife sitting to the left of him. He's got his hot, sexy entomologist side piece sitting to the right of him. See Thomas Howe. Because it's Lyndon, there's really no awkwardness at all in the scene. I got the sense that neither broad wanted to be with him at this point. They're like, all right, there might be a B problem. We gotta work together here, but none of these chicks want him at this point.
4: Denying what? the power of C. Thomas Howe. The son has just escaped from a death-defying experience. They call him
1: see you later, see Thomas Howe. Or see you later, Thomas Howe.
4: See nothing.
1: <laughs> see nothing attractive here, Thomas
3: Howe. I mean, we're gonna get to see a really great example of just the idiocy. Here very quickly. And this is what killed me in this movie. Not I the bees, they're acting and they're but, we,
1: but what I do know, Yaks, I think I know where you're going, is that they are all on board together for warning everyone to stay inside and stay safe. But just as Lyndon stands up to go down to Main Street and place a bunch of warning signs along the Honey Festival's parade route, there's a knock on the door, and it's the newly appointed Sheriff Slim. Another doctor direct ripoff from Jaws 2. Brody gets fired, and they, they promote the deputy. He tells Lyndon that he isn't allowed to leave his house until after the parade by orders of Mayor Ditwater.
4: You might be giving this movie too much credit to think they stole anything from Jaws 2 and that it was just purely accidental. Uh, it w- it fit. would actually show like, some initiative on their part. It fit, yeah.
1: Remember that ancient stick-in-the-mud sissy who was always complaining to Sheriff Lennon about the loud, loud traffic out on her street?
3: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Well, the bees swarm on her house next, but she's smart enough to close the AC vents. Then she thinks they're coming for the chimney, so she closes the flue, but the loud buzzing outside her windows is still bothering her to the point where she screams... Leave me alone! And shoots a massive hole in her living room window with a shotgun, which lets all the bees in to sting the shit out of her. Later. That's the second instance where a character has yelled human words at bees. Leave me alone! Why are you bothering us? Go away! This kill scene was actually the coolest one yet by far, though, because we get to see hundreds of bees all crawling over her face. That was cool. Like, they put a a dummy of her face and had the bees all crawling. That was kind of cool.
2: Yeah, I didn't have a problem with it.
1: Even though he's not a cop anymore, Lyndon drives his cop car over to Sissy's to check on her. And not only does he find her dead body covered in bees... But the bees have built hives all over her house. There's honey dripping from the walls. It's a real scene in there. Fun fact I learned when researching tonight's show. Tut, I'll go with you on this. What do you call a beehive with no exits?
2: What do you call it, sir?
1: Unbelievable.
2: Bees didn't leave,
3: sir. <laughs>
1: all right, Yak Boy, it's enough out of you
3: wasn't me. It was never going to be me. It was you. Be me.
1: (laughs) You be quiet. Civilian uh, Linden drives his cop car over to Dr. Muir's house, siren blaring, and tells her about his discovery. She explains that that bees clearly tried to build a hive at Sissy's house. But it probably wasn't big enough, which means the swarm must be fucking huge. Lyndon asks how they can stop the bees, and she explains that, unfortunately, they don't make a can of bug spray big enough. She says it like she knows she's talking to a moron. (laughs) Well, Lyndon, unfortunately, (laughs) they don't make a can of bug spray the size of Texas Stadium, so here's what we have to do instead.
4: Sell one at the pile drive and save.
1: (laughs) We'll just have to, once a fucking gen, try to talk to everybody in Sumas and convince them to stay indoors for a few days until the swarm dissipates because killer bees are attracted to large gatherings and noise. Uh-oh. Today's the big honey festival. These anti-maskers, sorry, I mean these anti-vaxxers, sorry, I mean, these good old American townsfolk of Sumas are gonna like, are not going to like being told they can't do what makes them happy for a few days in order to ultimately save everyone's lives. Are they, Tut?
2: Nope.
1: That was, I thought, apt. They flat out tell these people, all you have to do is stay in the house for like three days and these bees will go away. Nope.
0: It's a honey
4: festival. Megalomart's going to be here. We're having fun. I got rights. I'm going outside. Oh, man, I'm doing what I'm going to do. Literally,
1: doctor, if you stay inside for three days, this threat will go away. Fuck that.
4: I'm living my life, dude. You can't tell me what to do. Yeah. There's a half-off sale at the cornhole and save. I'm going down there to get some stuff. Fuck you, Fauci.
1: I'm going down to pick and save. Getting some fireworks. Some fast-paced music kicks in. Dr. Muir grabs some bee helmets and her smoke gun, and they're off to save the day. Oh, and don't forget that young Cassidy's big 4 H B presentation for school is today.
4: Oh, God, and how could we forget? That's at, the,
1: that's at the festival. And as well as Dylan's debut performance with his terrible rock band. So despite them helping Dad with his useless flyers and signs, they all ignored those size, those flyers and signs and went the hell off to the festival anyway.
4: Everybody's brain damaged.
1: Ignored the hell out of their dad. I get that. You know what's hard to ignore, Ted? What's that? It's hard to ignore just how phenomenal the cigars made by our friends over at Drew Estate are. That is true. And one of the tastiest offerings of theirs is the Herrera Stelly Miami, crafted by Level 9 Cuban Rollers at the famed El Titan de Bronze on Cali Ocho. The Herrera-Steli Miami line is expertly rolled in a lavish – damn it, I'm off my game tonight – lavish Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper over a rich Ecuadorian Sumatran binder with select fillers from the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua. The new look of Herrera-Steli Miami features rich black and gold packaging and is available in five sizes – I smoked the cigar. We smoked the cigar on the show. We gave it a 91, I believe, 90, 91 rating. We really liked it. It is truly one of Willie Herrera's masterpieces. So jump in your car or jump online right now and get your hands on some. What are you waiting for? Do it now. And while we're talking about really cool stuff, I'd like to take a hot minute once again to let you know about something very cool, Cigar World. It's not a fun-filled amusement park for adults, where we ride on pylones of tobacco down waterfalls. We don't uh, have all sorts of uh, awesome nicotine experiences. Cigar World is an online site for real cigar smokers. There you can get cigar news, reviews, and a whole lot more. Also on the site is a cigar research panel called the Testing Lab. You can sign up to give your input on new cigars by taking surveys and testing cigars. Check it out at CigarWorld.com forward slash testing lab. Man, for being the biggest event of the year, the Sumas Honey Festival is kind of lackluster, isn't it? Yeah.
4: I'm thinking bad. there's probably not many people that live there, so it really is a big deal for them. This is a hoedown.
1: I mean, there's a petting zoo, there's lots of balloons, some booths selling honey, kids running around in bee costumes while Mayor Ditwaller schmoozes and slow dances with one of the visiting uh, Megalomart executives.
4: It's the event of the year.
1: Oh, and to demonstrate just how dumb the people of Sumas actually are. They all seem to be enjoying the horrible music of Dylan's stupid band up
4: on stage. We didn't need any further demonstrations about how stupid they are. No, I,
1: th- I think this solidifies it, though. Like uh, Lyndon's teenage son is up on stage with his band, and people seem to be enjoying it. Which...
4: What about the fact that it's clearly not anybody close to his age singing? <laughs> some deep voice guy saying I was
2: say, that little raspy voice sounds like it smoked a couple packs of cigarettes. That's, That's not him.
1: I just looked at the guys on stage and I thought it was like all the guys from Maroon Five had been hit repeatedly on the head with soup cans and this is what we're getting. Um man, I hate those guys, Maroon Five.
4: And and even so, that's still an insult to them. The the <laughs> guys playing the Sue Mass Festival were just I don't I don't know what they were.
1: Newly promoted Sheriff Slim is grinning ear to ear as he chows down on a turkey leg. He doesn't give a shit about anything. That is until he looks up in the sky and sees a massive swarm of killer bees. Slim starts yelling for everyone to seek shelter, but they ignore his dopey ass, because he's a dope. So he climbs up on stage and takes over the mic from Dylan, asking the crowd, Don't panic! Calmly head to the parking lot. When they yell out why, he points up to the enormous black cloud of killer bees descending down upon them. So naturally, everybody panics and starts trampling over each other. Mayor Ditwaller tosses that Megalomart chick he's dancing with to the side and runs off. The killer bees touch ground and no one is safe. Even my imaginary side piece, this year's top-heavy honorary honey honey queen, the blonde, ain't no. Uh, she gets attacked, and as she as she's being interviewed by the local news. She bounces, I mean runs, out to the parking lot and bangs on Ditwaller's car window. "Help me! Help me!" But he just rolls up the window. "Be seeing ya," he says as he drives off. He didn't. He didn't actually say that. Yeah. And then ten seconds later, that yeah, asshole, the doing? asshole crashes into a big stack of hay bales. Where killer bees flood into his car through the AC vent, and thankfully they end his evil reign as
2: mayor. Dude, Titwall.
4: be painful.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I do wish that he would have taken his toupee off and beat a couple of bees with him. This is why
1: we keep Toward around. That's a good note. It's a good note. Take that thing off and just start swatting them.
2: It was fun. It was it was a satisfying I'm glad that it was a satisfying end to him, but he should have beaten them with the toupee.
1: Agreed. That's good. That's a really good uh, note. Um, let me real quick light up my my follow-up cigar. Tell, what are you smoking for your follow-up cigar?
2: I am smoking the J.C. Newman PDM cigar.
1: The Pearl DeMar. You like it?
2: I do. I do.
1: I'm smoking the Hoya de Monterey Excalibur Black, mm-hmm. which we may or may not do on a future episode. It's very bold and earthy, so Ooh. there's that. By the time Lyndon and Dr. Muir arrived at the Honey Festival, everyone is gone except for a swollen and useless Sheriff Slim hiding under the barbecue table. Well, almost everybody's gone. Lyndon finds a small group of survivors, including his wife, Audrey, and daughter Cassidy in the agriculture barn, cornered by a massive army of killer bees carpeting the walls and ceiling. As they look through the window, Dr. Muir explains that the bees are calm now as they're forming a new colony, but if they get disturbed, they'll sting the shit out of anything that moves. Just then, Dylan shows up behind them and apologizes to a dad to his dad for making his mom bring him here. It's all my fault. I just wanted my band to play. He says he's totally right. This is all his fault. Should have stayed home. Listen to your dad.
4: Although well, you we can't really blame him for not listening to his dad. There's really oh. just no way. Here.
1: Yeah, I was mainly saying that if my kids ever listen to the podcast, listen to me. Don't listen to C. Thomas Howe. Dr. Muir suggests that they fill the building with smoke, which calms the bees down. So Lyndon tosses his patrol car keys to Slim. Oh, Sheriff, we don't have to do this now, Slim says. Thinking that he's returning the the patrol car because he's been fired. I kind of like that. (laughs) It was funny. He's like, no, you (laughs) idiot. And we're in a town of idiots. The fact I'm calling you idiot is huge. Go to Dr. Muir's house and get all our beekeeping equipment. Well, apparently Slim is actually good at something because literally in this movie, 10 seconds later, he's back with the beekeeping equipment. They couldn't find a way to make a transition here. Go get the beekeeping equipment.
2: Runtime's long enough, sir.
1: Five seconds later, he's back with the beekeeping equipment. Dr. Muir volunteers to go in. I have multiple sclerosis, so it doesn't matter if I die. And Lyndon really doesn't put up much of a fight with that.
4: (laughs) I'm like, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Just kind of shoved her in there. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right.
1: But because, as we addressed before and many other times on the podcast, because people are selfish fucking pricks, as Dr. Amir calmly walks in the barn and floods the room with smoke, calming the bees down, Everyone in there starts charging for the exit, trampling over her in the process. Classic. Fucking people are fucking assholes. Everybody,
4: be calm. Our plan is working. Oh Let's hey! a minute.
1: Ah! Oh hey! This 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 chick's risking her life to save us. Me first.
4: Ah!
3: Are you kidding me? E- even. But if it's, it's working. Right. It's working. Look, we'll be safe points. The stinging point.
1: Guess what? A bunch of scientists all across the world have worked 48-hour weeks to fucking make this vaccine to where we can survive this thing. Meh. Freedom.
2: Fuck that noise.
1: I ain't taking it. I watched a video on YouTube. I ain't doing it. Well, great. Now we're all going to die, fucker. She can't get up. <laughs> like, literally this army of people trapped in there stomped all over her body to race out of there. And this is on her. She's having trouble seeing what's going on in this smoky barn. So she, she's the only somewhat smart character in this movie, and she takes off her hood and her mask. Uh, I can see better without this bee mask on. Oh, shit. <laughs> all the bees just Piled down on her, uh, and she's pounced on by a ton of killer bees. She died of a hero, boys. She died a hero. At least that's where we are now. Oh, and by the way, multiple sclerosis is not a death sentence by any means. <laughs> Even in 2002, it wasn't a death sentence. They, a few years, maybe off your life, but you can you can go a long haul with this. So I think she just realized that Lyndon was probably going to go back together with Audrey, pulled a 180, and decided that she couldn't live without him. And that's why she walked in there. Bitches be crazy, right, Yats? Yes. That was another thing I learned from Easy. Bitches be crazy. Bitches be crazy? Bitches be crazy. (laughs) Thank you, Doctor. Well, everyone who ran for it and trampled Dr. Muir made it out safely. But for some reason, Audrey, Cassie, and a few others didn't run for it. They'd be fine if they did. So they climbed into a little sedan that was parked in the Ag Building as a giveaway prize for the, the Honey Festival. As they honk S.O.S. on the horn... Linden has to explain to Slim what SOS means. They're honking SOS. Huh? SOS. Huh?
4: Slim Slim fell down and hurt himself at some point in the fourth movie.
1: The two dudes have to come up with a new plan. Slim suggests setting the building on fire and fellow living brain donor Linden agrees. It's our only remaining option. Burn it. Burn it down. So, Lyndon suits uh, suits up in a bee costume, the protective kind with the helmet, not like the kids were wearing with the wings and stuff. (laughs) That would have been funny if he suited up like, I can pretend like I'm one of them. And he puts on a little kid's bee costume. (laughs) That would have actually really been good. I would have liked to see that. No? I'm alone on that? Okay. And he enters the building pouring gas all over the place. Time to burn, he says, as some energetic music begins thumping away on the soundtrack. Next thing we know, the car bursts its way through the side of the ag building and everyone is safe. The girls couldn't find it, but turns out Lyndon found the keys tucked above the sun visor. But here's the thing. He set that whole building on fire. If those keys weren't above the visor... They would have all been burned to a crisp. He would have killed his entire family.
4: Well,
1: (laughs) That sounds a lot like a poorly conceived TNCC plan. You know what? Let's set that fucker on fire and we'll figure it out as we go. And get this. Dr. Muir is not only still alive, but she got stung by so many bees that she thinks her MS might be in remission.
3: All right.
1: After 200 bee stings, I think I'm cured.
4: Yeah, Yeah, I don't think it works that way. I don't think so either, Yax.
1: We just need to dump a shit load of bees on Michael J. Fox, I guess, right? Does he have MS?
4: No, he has Parkinson's. Oh, okay. I don't think that's going to work either.
1: The good news doesn't stop there, boys. Slim announces that the killer Bee masker has spooked the Megalomart executives. And after several years of debating whether to put a simple fucking store in Sumos, they're officially pulling out. And he even writes the words pulling out on a little notepad underlined to show how important this moment is.
4: What's that about?
3: No idea. But it must be good, because they included it.
4: Do you think every time he looks over at his son, he reminds himself, I should have pulled out? (laughs) I would. (laughs) (laughs) You bet your ass I would. He kind of writes that down as a reminder of what he needs to do if things get hot and heavy with the dog. (laughs)
1: Look, I live in a little village, and there was about a year where they talked about bringing in a dollar store. And then... Six months later, we had a dollar store. This has been a five-year process of the Megalomart people trying to decide if Sumas is the right fit for a Megalomart. It's over. The local shops are going to thrive. Everybody's happy. All right. All right. Everyone well, the only can-
3: reason that now Megalomart isn't going to come isn't because of the e-swarm. They're looking around going, well, wait a second. Everybody's dead. There's not going to be enough customers. Exactly.
1: Everybody's (laughs) dead. That's why the fucking Republicans are finally telling everybody to get their vaccine. Guess what? Our stocks are going down. People are going to die and can't buy shit. Maybe you should take your vaccine We make some money. It's all money, boys. Follow the money.
4: Follow the money.
1: Uh everyone is ecstatic as Lyndon picks up his wife Audrey and trolls her around in celebration. Some mellow piano music plays and we cut to the Lyndon family farm. Somehow they got their farm back. Don't know how.
3: Well everybody was dead.
1: The bankers were all dead. We could just take whatever we wanted back.
3: They were dead.
1: How you ask, who cares? Lyndon and Dylan are playing catch, just like in the opening scene of the film. Uh, He's even asking Dylan the same set of questions his father asked him back in the day that Lyndon killed his dad. The family's back together. Everyone is all smiles. Do you think we've seen the last of those bees, his son asks. From where I'm standing, son, it's clear skies all ahead. Lyndon says, as we cut to a wide shot revealing a humongous tornado of killer bees approaching them in the distance. The end. Was that? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's the end with a question mark.
4: Was that a tornado of killer bees or was it just a tornado?
1: I think it was supposed to be bees. It looked like bees. I thought
4: maybe like God decided to wipe out the town or something.
1: (laughs) Hey, I don't question God's motives. I would have been all for that. Even if it was like the country was like .00000001 less stupid by taking out Sumos, I'd be okay with it.
4: I think it would even be better than that. All right.
1: Well, guys, uh, here's what I... Just uh, a brief thing. When we did the clown movie two episodes ago, Clown Doll, I spent Hours upon hours watching every clown horror movie known to man. When I knew we had a, a, a B cigar, I refused to do that again. So I, I pulled up all the B movie, all the killer B movies, killer wasp movies, killer hornet movies I could possibly do. Uh, I could have done the 70s, the swarm with Suzanne Summers And like that's like the big blockbuster
4: Michael
1: Caine in that? Yeah, Michael Caine's Swarm movie. Uh, I could have done. There's another one, The Bees, with uh, Doc, who's the sheriff in Nightmare on Elm Street, the dad. Uh,
4: the original Nightmare on Elm Street?
1: Yeah, from Black Sunday. The the, the... Anyway, there was a lot of...
4: John Saxon.
1: Yeah, Saxon. Okay. Thank you. Uh, there was a lot of fucking B-movies I could have done, but when I saw C. Thomas Howe, and I, watched, it was a very good trailer. They put a good, uh, really good trailer for this. I just was like, you know what? Let's go with this one, and I can make something of it. We can make something of it, and I think we did. Um, it wasn't the best B-movie ever made. But then again, I think out of all creature features, whether it be alligators or sharks or birds or whatever, like I'm not really terrified of bees. I've been stung by them. I've survived. I just wanted something that we could have fun talking about, and I think I think this movie
2: fit the bill. Yeah,
4: yeah, I think that, that this this kind of fell into the so bad it was entertaining. Yeah, Honest, I I didn't have a problem too much with
1: it. Honestly, Mayor Ditwaller made this movie work for us because without him, you you got to have that asshole presence and uh I I I thought that guy did really good. And
4: uh, he helped there were, he, he did help. There was just enough stupid people doing stupid stuff that it was enjoyable yeah yeah because you know going into this that you're not gonna take any of this seriously, and it is what it is, so and you know that that's yeah,
1: but I think we actually tied in the townsfolk of Sumas into a lot of the idiocy idiocracy going on today's world with the way they ignored the bees uh the way certain folks are ignoring what's going on here i i I thought this was we i thought we did really good. I agree. That's all I need to hear, Doctor. Your agreement means everything.
4: Hey, I give I give myself a B plus. Uh,
1: I have you written down as a C minus, but we'll meet in the middle somewhere. Meet in the middle somewhere. Todd, give us some links
2: all right so join us uh on twitter at TNCCcast. cast you can hit us up on facebook tuesday night cigar club you can hit us up on uh, instagram tuesday, uh, tncc underscore podcast uh, definitely subscribe to us on youtube tuesday night cigar club you can also uh, go to the website and uh, buy your cigars uh, by clicking on the famous smoke shop banner there it will automatically enter the promo code TNCC20, which will give you 20% off on a purchase of 100 bucks, which is a pretty fabulous deal. Do your Amazon shopping there. And I think that pretty much covers it. Okay.
1: Well, uh, we still have a ways to go before our March to Halloween, my favorite part of the year. So we've got a couple shows left, non-horror. We'll uh, find something interesting to talk about uh, for the next few shows. We'll also have a very special guest. Um, from our headline sponsor That uh, I'm really looking forward to joining us He's a cool dude And we don't just invite anybody To join us on the show But I, I got a good feeling about this guy I think he'll fit right in uh, So that'll be fun So yeah, tune in two weeks And see where we go from here Thank you for uh, being with us Uh And uh, this is this is what we do, and I thought we did really well tonight. It was a phenomenal cigar. Yeah.
2: yeah. Thumbs up
1: on the on the murder. Very
2: good, very good.
1: Good job, Matt Booth. Uh, You all you guys liked your beers.
3: Yes. Yes. 100%.
2: Okay.
1: It's very rare that we don't like a cold beer in a Texas summer. Uh, When you spit out a beer in a Texas summer, it's a bad fucking beer. Uh so okay we'll see you again in 2 weeks. Thank you folks. Get vaccinated. I'm just going to say it. You know, if not for you, do it for your fucking community, do it for the fucking kids. Just you know, be something above yourself and your bullshit freedoms and all that. Just go get a fucking vaccine so we can get back together. We can do the show and the thing. Our kids can go to school without Fear and masks on, just fucking man up and just do the right thing you fucking schmucks if you did get vaccinated, bravo we commend you, it's the right thing to do and uh, we don't often take stands here on the show but you know, sometimes it's not about you, it's about just being a part of your community and doing the right thing so we can all just continue fucking living our lives and uh, just I'm done just do the right thing May the wings of liberty never lose a feather. And that doesn't mean you don't have freedoms, asshole. It just means you have the right to choose to do the right fucking thing and support your neighbors and support your community. Don't be a dickhead. Sayonara, motherfuckers. We'll see you in two
3: weeks. Bye. <laughs>
0: To learn more about the time I found myself chased butt-ass naked by a swarm of killer bees through an Olive Garden restaurant in Sandusky, Ohio, please read my harrowing creature feature screenplay titled, Screw Your Endless Breadsticks, I Need Some Ice For My Balls by Keith A. Howell. It's a true story, which I understand Hollywood loves, so I'm hoping to shop the script around Tinseltown with the lofty goal of getting C. Thomas Howell to play yours truly. You'll obviously need a giant set of CGI balls to pull off my character, but those special effects wizards can do just about anything these days. As for why I was naked in the Sandusky Olive Garden, well, you're just going to have to wait until the movie comes out to get that answer, folks. Okay, fine. Spoiler alert here. I happened to have endless Italian margaritas that night, and I finally just said, fuck it, and off went my pants. Oh, and by the way, I'd like it if Ralph Macchio's pants would play my pants in the movie. That would be so totally rad. Man. Anywho, in the meantime, you can learn more about the cigars enjoyed on tonight's episode by visiting room101cigars.com. For more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'Brien'sTemple.com and download their free smartphone app where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.tricksbeermusic.com. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. This is T.J. Howell, get drunk, saying to don't make bad friends. we see you soon at the pub. Get drunk, so keep it go smoking. God's sake, Get work.
1: drunk. Go sleep.